my area of expertise goes right when you go past the vocal cords um, to your anus. The number one actually is that we eat too much in general. Can, can you hook me up with some ivermectin? No. <laughs> no. Should we not go there? I, I mean, <laughs> goddamn. It's the fact that they, they smoke these fish or they burn them and they're eating it that way. So, so again, they, it has a lot of nitrosamines, which are apparently linked to towards um, cancer if you eat it all day, every day, that sort of thing. Mm. But there's room for improvement. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement, but I agree. I mean, if you can get a nationalized healthcare um, that that would streamline it and make sure that at the very least people's page, or people's bills would make more sense, yeah. then fair enough. Um, and unfortunately, then, there's a lot of players that would lose out a lot of money on that, and that's probably not why, that's probably why it's not never going to get implemented. Because money buys the lawmakers? Mm, unfortunately. Okay. That's definitely part of it. I mean... I knew I liked you, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It, it's just... It's it's sad to see someone die from a cancer that is almost entirely preventable. And He, he actually told me that at the bar as I was pounding a pitcher of margarita. <laughs> <laughs> to the billions around the world on YouTube in 4K and audio streaming services like Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share. And now onto the podcast. All right, we could start. Um, Vig, thank you for this opportunity. So you're a ear, mouth, nose. No, I, I'm a gastroenterologist. <laughs> Oh, so wait, I mix. So oh, ear, sorry. yeah, yeah. Um, so ear, ear, nose, and throats are surgeons, and um, I am not a surgeon by any means. Uh, my area of expertise goes right when you go past the vocal cords um, to your anus. Okay, okay. That is oh, not a cuss word. You have uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have territory of yes <laughs> geography, um, and and we also um, we also you do uh, the liver anything that actually secretes stuff into the GI tract. We also t kind of pay attention to so the pancreas, the liver, um, are also part of the GI world. What are kind of the biggest things that people don't know or don't do well with their body in that? and that ex expertise that you know of. Oh, um, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Put uh, alcohol in? <laughs> well, if that's number one, if, if that's number one, is it? It's not number one. Um, we the, the number one actually is that we eat too much in general. Yeah. Um, that's probably the first and foremost. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, eating too much is linked to not just GI problems, but a lot of other like diabetes, the high blood pressure, the cholesterol, heart disease, and all that stuff. So that tends to be number one. Uh, would you say by chance the... Can you tell by the evolutionary growth of the body? Uh, are we eating way too much meat? Say, say people that have even a decent diet. I've heard some. I've heard a scientist say that we should be eating a lot of greens, a lot, like something to the extent of, I think one small piece of meat a week. Is so, so yeah. So, uh, as far as are we eating too much meat? It's not that we're eating too much meat because it's not good for you. It's it's a lot of it is because meat takes a lot more resources to produce and and grow than than not. So, um, for example, a chicken is actually much less cal uh, calories than 
uh, than a lot of people think. Like a chicken breast usually is like 110 to 150 calories, and it doesn't really have much in the way of carbs. It's all mostly protein. Mm-hmm. Um, red meat, on the other hand, is definitely much more calorically expensive than than uh, chicken or lean meats. Because so, it's fatty? Yeah. And, okay. and actually, a, a hamburger patty has like 200, 250 calories, just the patty itself. Oh, wow. Wait, so, so why can't we grow leaner cows? <laughs> well, uh, we probably could, but um, it's not just that we need to grow to leaner cows. It's that I mean, we're talking about of six billion people eating so much meat. It just yeah. takes um, the whole pro- production of that whole thing is 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 extensive. So yeah. So meat production is, I think, why people say eat less meat. Um, as far as the things that we do overeat, is this carbs? Carbs tend to be the one that uh, people can't stay away from. I can't stay away from rice. I, I almost got to eat rice like every two days or so. So, um, so yeah, that, that tends to be the thing that we, we pay attention to. And, and evolutionarily, what we really do is that like, um, you know, our, when we started, we were more hunters and gatherers, right? So um, our bodies have been uh, become very, very efficient. Like um, the intestines are redundant. Like you don't need even half of the intestines that you have really. Mm. Um, so wow. you just absorb, your body is really, really good at absorbing all the nutrients that you get. And since we live a much more sedentary lifestyle now, it leads to more weight. So that's why like doing a calorie limit is probably one of the best ways to lose weight is just not eating as many calories and so on. So then, uh, you don't, does that mean diet to normal people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard a lot of, uh, people that, that eat a lot less meat and the, they're doing greens and beans and whatnot. They will say, "When I eat meat, I feel t- terrible." Honestly, I've never really noticed. Uh, I, I unfortunately have never had a patient like that before myself. So, uh, I mean, you will see, you will have people that say that. I don't necessarily think. I don't know if there's a biological basis for that. Um, it's their conscience. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, placebo effect is a real thing. So if they feel, if they already look at it and they're like, oh my gosh, this doesn't look good. And then they eat it and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. Why did I eat something that doesn't look good? Yeah, that's me I with tofu. Thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there is that stinky tofu thing. And some people say it tastes exactly like how it smells and stuff like that. I, I don't know. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I've never seen any biological explanation for why uh, eating meat will make you feel bad. I mean, if you're saying that you ate meat and that's, has a lot more calories and you ate a high calorie meal that makes you want to sleep right afterwards. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it does. Cause your body is now in the let's digest. And if you're digesting, you're probably, your body doesn't want to move as much from your line of work by chance. Have you seen people that people that eat a lot of meat versus people that don't, can you, in your, your profession, your, I don't know if it's x-rays or whatever you look at, uh, can you tell that their body's doing better? Okay, not, that's not really, really okay. Yeah, I can't. I can't say it's some. I I wouldn't be able to point out who is eating more meat and who is not eating more meat. And um, and who's can you kind of tell who's healthier in any way? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you can usually tell people who are healthier, but um, that I mean, if someone is walking into my office, I mean, the the way we generally tell if people are healthy is is are do they have a uh, normal BMI? You know, um, what is their resting heart rate? What is their blood pressure? Um, how many breaths per minute are they breathing? Because usually. People are more uh, healthier, tend to have a lower heart rate, tend to be breathing less per minute. Like what's normal, breast per minute is like six to ten. Um, like you'll see people that are. So, so are you saying if your body's carrying a lot of weight, like obese, right? Then your 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 organs are struggling to carry all this. Maybe not struggling, but they are going to be working harder. Okay. So you will see, like, when someone comes to the office that is more obese, they're yeah. resting like a like an athlete's resting heart rate usually in the fifties. Yeah. Um, per minute. 
Uh, normal people's resting heart rate is like 60 to 80 per minute. And um, okay. depending on their athletic level, it's maybe closer to 60, maybe closer to 80. Yeah. As you get uh, to the obese range, it's like 80 to 100. Okay. So um, you will, I mean, their bodies will definitely be working a little bit harder yeah. than usual. So your, your engine's working a little harder to keep everything going. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. On the flip side, obese people tend to be also very strong. Because <laughs> oh, they're, they're, they're still carrying so yeah, much weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're lifting weight all the yeah. time. <laughs> People don't really give them, give them enough credit. It's just like how when you carry around that much weight, <laughs> that's a lot of weight to carry around. And you don't ever want to mess with people that just because they're obese, yeah. oh, they can't fight, they can't run, they can't do anything, and then they'll just hit you once and you'll go flying. Well, I've thought of that before. Like if I'm carrying in like a case of water from Costco, mm-hmm. it's like forty pounds worth of water, right? Yeah. And I'm like, man, I feel this in my legs. Can you imagine if I was forty pounds heavier, just all the time, I'd be carrying this much weight around on my body? Exactly. I mean, yeah. this is why, like. Uh, I don't know why. I had a few patients that loved that that like to fight and talk about fighting all the time and whatnot. Like UFC stuff. Yeah they're, yeah, they're very big about that, and they they talk about who's good and who's bad. And I'm like, you know, honestly, uh, that's great. Uh, just don't take that and act like you're good at UFC. You're good at fighting and take it outside. Because <laughs> honestly, 50 pounds in real life is that's huge. Like, if uh, it's almost 50 pounds heavier than you, even if they don't look fit or are fit or whatever, they, they don't, can still probably hurt don't you. Don't try to jump and choke hold them. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, yeah. One, one <laughs> kick or stomp by them, maybe if they if they can. Look. <laughs> I did. I actually did a taekwondo tournament when I was a kid. I, I used to do taekwondo, and uh, uh, in one of the tournaments, I was uh, I was in the heavyweight division. I was fatter than most people, but um, the heavyweight division was l- literally the range was like 180 to as high as you can go. There was no higher weight division. Uh, yeah. And there was this dude uh, from Texas. He was like 400 pounds. And this is when I was like 15. Mm-hmm. So um, and he was fighting some dude that was like 190 pounds. And the 190 pound dude was like dancing around him, kicking him, hitting him. Yeah. And the other guy hit him just once. Just once he, he <laughs> smacked him good, really. And the guy couldn't get up. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Caught him with crazy. a good one. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was definitely one of those. That was when I actually was like, oh, crap. Size does matter. <laughs> Size <really laughs> I was, uh, we went down to EDC last night uh-huh. and uh, getting in was kind of a hassle for parking. It probably takes like an hour to wait to park. Damn. And there were people that were cutting around. And we didn't know it at the time. There's like a drop off area. So it's very poorly designed, but we thought they were just cutting. Oh, so, sh- so I'm getting angry. You know, you're blocking people. Like I'm reaching out and pushing their mirrors in and. And, and uh, one guy successfully cut a couple cars ahead of us or something. And I was like, in my head, I'm fantasizing, like, I should go pull this fucking door open and go hit this guy in the jaw. You know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to fight, right? And then later on at EDC, everybody's happy and, you know, wearing their rainbow shit. And uh, <laughs> I saw a big dude. I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be. <laughs> that, dude, that dude is just bigger than me. Like, I could give him everything I got and he'd probably. <laughs> still not even feel it. Yeah. There's a, so I go on Reddit all the time and there's a subreddit called Public Freakout, which sometimes I, I like to visit. Just That's how I get my fighting impulses out of the way. I'm like, oh. Public wow. Freakout. Yeah, it's okay. just called r slash public freakout. And you okay. just see a lot of people like. There's just people filming doing stupid things like uh, getting in fights over masks and all this mm, other yeah. ridiculousness. Um, um, yeah, and then, and then I see like, oh man, that guy just got... Because like, you know, in movies you see someone gets cl- hit in the face like five, six, seven, eight times and still get yeah. up and start fighting. In these other things you see like they get clocked once yeah. and then they're on the floor. I'm yeah. like, oh, all right. Well, maybe in real life I'm probably not going to... Isn't there a weird thing where if you catch somebody on the chin... That doesn't make sense to me. Is it to rattle the brain or what? That the? seems to be the only explanation. I, I've tried to read into this a little bit to try yeah. like what what is it that makes you lose consciousness? The, from what the one the 
documentary I watched. So your brain, your your skull, mm-hmm. and then your brain's in a liquid. Mm-hmm. So w- when you like hit the jaw, it causes that brain to to actually hit the the skull, mm-hmm. and the harder it hits, mm-hmm. the more likely for a blackout. Um, so you I go, guess go for a reboot. It's like a hard reset. Yeah. <laughs> so it, the jaw is the closest. It's like a it it it, it connects to that bone that connects uh-huh. to this bone. So okay. Huh. Yeah, but just like the idea of like, okay, so the brain got smashed, smushed against the side of the skull. Why does that count? Why does that knock you out? And that that's nobody. I haven't really seen a good oh, explanation. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You went in the wrong wrong studies. <laughs> <laughs> um, so jump, yeah. uh, jumping to a question from from my wife, she asked about the thyroid and the the word you said you nodule. Nodule, nodule. Okay. Yeah. Is that above the vocal box or below? No. So the thyroid gland is actually right here. Yeah. Um, it's it's in front of uh, okay. the vocal cord. So so it's actually a separate gland. It's outside of the trachea. It's outside of the esophagus. It's its own thing. Um, and it secretes thyroid hormone, which we need to sort of regulate weight, heat, uh, our temperature. Um, uh, so that, uh, so that falls into your uh, no. Oh, okay. Actually, it's, That's it's an ENT. No, that actually, well, I mean, ENT if it's a surgical thing. So, so okay. here's the thing. Medicine now has um, has progressed so much that you uh, there's a lot of different fields now. Um, so the people that take care of the function of the thyroid, um, they're called endocrinologists. So they're, because uh, the thyroid is an endocrine hormone. It secretes a hormone that affects uh, elsewhere around the body. Uh, but if you say had a nodule and where a thyroid nodule comes into play is... Um, so, I mean, there's not supposed to be nodules on the thyroid. Thyroid nodules can be benign or they can be malignant or, or they can be secreting or non-secreting. So benign thyroid nodules, nothing to do. You're not going to touch them. You're just going to leave them alone. But um, it, there does need to be an evaluation that's, that's in place. Like usually they'll do an ultrasound. They'll do some other studies to see does it actually secrete more hormone than usual and, um, and kind of go from there. Yeah, she, she did the ultrasound and then the doctor thinks it's, uh, she thinks it's benign, but she said come back for a checkup in six months. Um, my wife asks in the morning when you clear your throat, uh, she has to clear her throat a lot in the morning. She's asking, is it kind of through, due to the thyroid thing? Or I think it could be just, she's thinking it could be just more human. Like everybody wakes up and kind of clears their throat. What's your Yeah, it's, it's mostly a human thing. Um, it's, un- I mean, thyroid, if your thyroid is causing more trouble, uh, it, there, there's more, there's usually much more metrics for that. So um, once you, they've diagnosed a thyroid nodule, usually they'll do some blood tests also to see like, you know, there's a thing called a thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH, which they'll check to see if that level is really high or really low. And if that's really high, that says um, that your thyroid is not making anything. If that's really low, that means your thyroid is making too much. So then they'll start talking about like, okay, what do we do with those things? So um, as long as the TSH or the, um, the thyroid hormones themselves are normal, then it's probably not that. It probably is just as you, um, you know, you're not drinking water and when you're sleeping and it usually just dries out. Um, I'll, if you, if you wake up and puke every day, that's a different story. <laughs> no, she's not puking every day. I'll um, give a story. Or uh, you're pregnant, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give a story then if you want to add to it, uh, you can. If, if it's not in your <laughs> wheelhouse of expertise, uh, feel free to say so. Um, so her family, it seems that the thyroid thing seems to be a genetic thing in the family. Like her, all her aunts and her mom has it to some degree and a lot of her aunts have gotten medicine and supposedly just the medicine is good enough I, th- I forget if she mentioned i think they none of them had to have surgery yet to cut it out um and yeah her aunts some of them are in their 50s or whatever um the one th- the, the thing that i find 
unusual with her whole family is they when they clear their throat and this is throughout the day it's a heavy like and these and it's very they're all most of them are actually her family has a lot of women so it's very unfeminine in stereotypically <laughs> sure, sure, sure. just hawking loogies no no uh <laughs> the clearing of the throat is a yeah. heavy like like i it's not like that but it, yeah. it, it's pretty heavy mm-hmm. um they just want your attention is <laughs> yeah um i don't know any thoughts on is that does that mean it could be a benign thing that's actually big enough to cause that I mean, if the so the, uh, as as I said, the thyroid is sitting, um, uh, the thyroid gland is sitting uh, in front of the trachea. It's in front of the esophagus. Uh, I guess theoretically, if your thyroid gets larger, which it can, there are conditions where that happens. Um, it can compress the trachea a little bit, and if that happens, perhaps the that that'll cause them to clear their throats more. But if it's actually gotten large enough that it actually affects the surrounding structures, that's that's not a benign thing. That becomes something that needs to be looked at much more closely. So. The, the clearing of the throat, um, also probably um, overall sal- salivary secretions um, uh, are, there's probably some genetic component to that. So it would make okay. sense okay. for mm. if all her family members have a little bit drier throats, she also has a drier throat. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But I cool. don't think, I, I don't think it's going to be related to the thyroid nodule. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. That's good to know. But then she moved from Vietnam to Las Vegas. Yeah, so to an even drier climate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because actually, my cousin is, and now that you mentioned it, my cousin comes from. Uh, he moved to my parents' house from India, and uh, he comes from a very humid climate. Yeah. So uh, when he came here, also had similar like dry skin, dry throat, that sort of thing. My girlfriend also same thing. She, she yeah. was in Georgia, and then she moved to San Diego, and um, really caused a little bit of getting used to. Can we eat Vaseline, or is that not a good? Probably not a good idea. No. Okay. Just, just doctor stuff. You didn't listen to the <laughs> podcast where the where JC told you to do tea. Was it tea and uh, honey? Honey tea, yeah. Some yeah. Kind of, oh, ginger tea or something. Yeah, honey tea. Emmett's the road. It seems to dry up during this podcast a lot. Yeah. Mine, mine does too, but I feel yours is worse. Uh, less than it was. I for me, I think a lot of it was uh, psychological, knowing that I'm gonna go give a speech. Right. Uh, mm. It'll happen to me a little bit too when I'm about to make a phone call. Like if I know an important phone call, I'm gonna about about to mm. dial. Like, ah. like I'm mm. getting ready, kind of right. mentally. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. So but, if you knew you had a thyroid problem, maybe maybe it gets in your head and start clearing your throat a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely like a lot of human pro- condition. That's that's part of the human condition is that when you start thinking about something, it definitely makes it worse. Now. Um, I don't want to say that there's nothing wrong with the thyroid nodule. Again, that's that's where she's the, fine. The, she's the fine. Whole evaluation <laughs> needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but the majority of the time it's fine. And thyroid issues are are usually um, unless you have thyroid cancer. I'm sorry. Uh, which unfortunately, like actually, my cousin he just uh, his his wife now uh, had thyroid cancer and they had to remove it. But luckily, you, even thyroid cancer is actually not that aggressive as compared to other cancers. Okay. So. Let's jump back to your your area of expertise. What are some really interesting facts that you've wisdoms that you discovered through your profession so far? So overall, um, the main thing that I that gets in, that I talk about with my profession is that I uh, people hate uh, screening for anything. Uh, uh. What I mean by that is, is okay. So you, uh, when you turn forty five, uh, well, it used to be fifty. It actually just switched down to forty five. Oh. Oh, shit. Everyone should be getting a <laughs> colonoscopy next year. Yeah, yeah year. <laughs> Not all insurance is covered though, so maybe so maybe you might have to wait till fifty. But it, you my should. insurance is terrible, so I probably <laughs> probably off the hook um, <laughs> until fifty. Is screening for colon cancer or, or screening for any type of cancer really? I mean, we only screen. There's only like three type, four types of cancers that we can really screen for. That's oh. breast, 
uh, cervical, prostate, and colon. Um, those are the ones that we routinely, for the average person, we're going to screen for. And, um, I mean, women are okay with doing the breast. Uh, they're okay with the cervical. And um, prostate cancer screening is usually a blood test. It used to be a rectal exam, but that oh. is not oh. very that specific anymore. So people just do the blood test. In fact, there's recommendations now that you don't even do the blood test, that you don't have to screen for prostate cancer. There's there's a whole controversy around but, that. But dudes don't have to worry about breast cancer, right? Um, unless you have breast tissue, which some dudes do have. Okay. And uh, Wait, how do you distinguish breast tissue from I'm just overweight and I've you, got moves. You may not be able to, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and um, that's just one of those things where uh, someone will have to actually do like a CAT scan or, or something to actually see if you have breast tissue. Um, there's wait, a lot of people that wait. walk around with breast tissue that a lot of guys that have breast tissue uh, doesn't necessarily cause yeah, any what's, trouble. What's a guy with breast? Is it like mammary glands are growing yeah. or what's the... Yeah, there'll be like mammary glands, some, some excess fat in that area. But it's, again, um, it's not so much that it's going to cause problems. Really when it does and this is the only time it, I've ever seen it cause trouble, is that uh, you'll have the occasional dude who unfortunately has breast tissue and is playing contact sports. Really? Um, and when they're playing contact sports, getting hit in the chest, it, it, it's much more painful when you have um, wow. breast tissue than, than just muscle. I think WWE gets slapped in the chest the most. <laughs> oh, man. Those slaps in the chest are so funny. They are so he's funny. A, he's attacking the other dude's uh, breast cancer. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen... I remember the first time I watched that, and I'm like, wait, this guy just literally just, just backhanded him in the chest. What is that? Is this a, this is a thing? I started doing that to all my friends. After. <laughs> I was like, yo, you're pissing me off. Damn. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so colon cancer screening. <laughs> Sorry, is, I took us the wrong way. No, no, no it's okay. all good. It's all good. So colon cancer screening is is a, is probably the most, in my mind, one of the easiest things to do to protect yourself from a cancer that usually hits people in their sixth or seventh decade of life. And okay. um, all it is is you got to get a colonoscopy or or some other form of screening. But um, you just get one, or you have to get it every couple of years. You have something? to get it like every ten years if it's normal. Oh, okay. Seven to ten years okay. if it's normal. Gotcha. Now um, the problem with it, it's no one, no one cares about the colonoscopies. You're not going to feel. You're not going to remember. You're going to be asleep. So when we Yay. do a colonoscopy, you're going to be fully asleep and you won't notice. But the the day before, you're going to have to take this bowel prep, which is basically you're pooping your brains out for 24 hours. Uh. And um, obviously, no one likes that. And uh, so, it, and and no one likes the idea of having something up their butt. I mean, I enjoy pooping, <laughs> but that's going out, not up. No, I mean, but as far as the bowel clear. Oh, yeah, I mean, like I guess yeah. You will have the occasional person that's like, oh, sweet, I'll I'll get a bowel cleanse. Maybe that'll help you get that to them. But yeah. uh, I mean, I'd rather poop than hold it. True. That is true. Okay. But, but when I poop, I feel like, oh, good. It's out. Right. But in this case, you're, you're, you're just constantly for <laughs> just living like on the toilet 12 hours. The <laughs> yeah. Cause we give you the bowel prep maybe around like 5 PM and then you're going to be taking it and you're going to be from 5 PM to like eight in the following morning. You're just going to be every 20 minutes, every 25 minutes, you're going to be on the toilet and you can't eat anything. Right. Uh, and you, you're just going to be on clear liquids until the day, uh, until the day of. Okay. Is it, it's just, um, oral medicine. Oh, that, well, maybe it doesn't sound so bad. Like it, I, I, I could mean, sit on the, I, I could sit on the toilet for hours. Like I got my phone. Yeah. I just sit on my phone. I mean, you oh, do we hit 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck shit. <laughs> we, we have a game where we're trying not to cuss for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Thank you. YouTube. <laughs> it hit, right? We, yeah. Yeah. We're oh, good. Sorry, we're thank good you. Now. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's such a simple procedure. It takes maybe 20 minutes over, um, like 20 minutes to do. And the, I mean, you got to get put to sleep. So you got to take like, 
like the day off work and whatnot. But you do that, and if we find a polyp or something, those polyps are usually precursors to cancer. The number of times I have seen a patient who is like 65 or 58 or mm-hmm. 72 or 90 even, um, who now has a raging colon cancer that is uh. maybe unresectable, maybe resectable, you don't know. Right. You got to sit through chemotherapy now, whereas if you had just come in on time and we had removed the polyp that this probably grew from, mm. um, you would be okay. So th- this is an easy train to see coming down the tracks. It is. It okay. is very easy. I mean, I mean, and now and you have like major celebrities. There's like uh, the, the Black Panther dude, Chadwick Boseman. He died from colon cancer. Oh, um, he never did a screening. I mean, but he was, he actually got it really young. Okay. So, I mean, as I said, usually we start at the age of 50. He got it in his thirties, which oh. is highly unusual. And um, gotcha. there's probably some family history or something, which I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to guess, but. Right. Um, so what what, Wakandans might have a genetic predisposition. <laughs> right, to, to colon cancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the whole nation. <laughs> That's why they're so no, crazy about science. It, it's actually a thing. So there's some nations that are more, pre, uh, that are predisposed to certain cancers. So like Asians, especially East Asians, are more are predisposed to gastric cancers than uh, others and it has something to do with the food the smoked fish that they eat something like that but um, what's interesting is that's actually a dietary thing because if you bring those people here and they switch to a regular diet within a generation that that risk is down wait where's east asia is that china korea china okay um japan that sort of Gotcha. Well, pretty much anywhere where they where seafood tends to be the staple, but not Southeast Asia. I mean, in Southeast Asia too, where again seafood is a staple. Like India, okay. South Asia, we we don't have yeah. uh, that as much high risk because we don't eat fish as much. I mean, I guess the coastal cities do, but is the there non- then presumably a link between seafood and? It's it's not the seafood; it's the preparation. Okay, um, smoked. the smoked part of it. Oh, has carcinogens in it? Yeah, there's supposedly like nitrosamines is what they're called, something like that. You said uh-huh. the smoked part? Yeah, it's just, it's the fact that they they smoke these fish or they burn them and the, they're eating it that way. So so again, they it has a lot of nitrosamines which are apparently linked to towards um cancer if you eat it all day every day that sort of thing. Mm. Pretty much one thing you learn in medicine is is everything in moderation is probably okay. Yeah, I was just I was just thinking about that cuz it feels like uh there's a lot of studies that eating fish is is very good for you it too. Is. So it, it's some type of moderation. Yeah, yeah. And, and fish is great for uh, because it has a lot of protein. Again, it's a lean meat, so it doesn't. Well, it's not meat, I guess. Um, but it's it does not have as many calories, and it is definitely better for you than say a lot of people who do eat red meat. Gotcha. Well, what if I have a buffalo wing problem? And I'm, buffalo wings are not red meat. Yeah, right? the deep, they're deep fried, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, if you're if you're eating them and they're all breaded and whatnot, then yeah, it's still a lot usually of carbs. not breaded. Yeah, but you have the air fryer; it's not deep fried. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I it's when I'm out that I'm getting them. Not uh, the, the air yeah. fryer does a pretty damn good job. I'm not. We're not sponsored by air fryer, whatever company you are, <laughs> but they they do a phenomenal job. Like I was surprised that they come out near restaurant quality. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I just find myself at bars often, and if there's yeah buffalo wings on the menu. It's not like you're eating yeah. buffalo wings every day. It's probably every week or two. That's that's fine. That's okay. not like smoked yes. fish every day. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Vig said I can eat buffalo wings. So, it, <laughs> but that's in moderation with everything yeah. else too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not eating fifty of them at a time. <laughs> right, right. No, it's funny um, because one of the things one of the things I always get asked is like, you, you know, there's a lot of people that have heartburn. Yeah, we, we see a lot of heartburn. That's that's actually like one of the most common uh, diseases oh. that we deal with in GI um, and we there's always been association with heartburn with people drink too much coffee people drink too much alcohol too much smoking uh, while stress smoking in, so what? stress part of that equation stress absolutely is part of okay. that equation but when we say dietary wise we say 
you know, don't eat chocolates, greasy foods, uh, fatty foods, uh, oh, uh, everything, coffee. Dude. Yeah, pretty much everything. And, and, and I've learned over time, first of all, there's actually some studies that kind of question whether that's actually as accurate. But um, you will actually have people that say that drink their morning coffee and will also say that, you know, that's when the heartburn starts and it just stays all day and stuff like that. So um, that's when the stress starts is when they're conscious. Also that, too. Um <laughs> So, oh, yeah. but you know what I heard is uh, they'll say they're avoiding tomatoes because they're acidic. Is yeah. that yeah? That, okay. That's I mean tomatoes, oranges, citrus. Uh, they definitely have some amount of uh, increased acid. Now, it's a miserable life. But what's interesting is that it, it's it's not the acidity of the food um, that that leads to heartburn. What causes heartburn is that your your esophagus is uh, it's actually it's just a long tube. It's yeah. got two ends to it. There's a there's a sphincter on both ends, and the sphincter on the upper end is actually under our control. Like you can voluntarily, oh, well, not voluntarily, but it's when you swallow that will, that will automatically open. Okay. Um, whereas the lower one is is like we we won't feel it, notice it, or or think about it whether yeah. it opens or closes. Okay, so there's a door between my esophagus and my stomach. Yes. Okay. I never knew this. Yes, and um, makes sense. Yeah. What ends up happening is is as your stomach is digesting food, sometimes this this door. Um, will stay open a little ah, bit yeah. and that'll allow some acid to come up. And that's usually what causes the heartburn. And there's not necessarily an easy way to fix that. So what we usually do is we just try to say, okay, if you bring down the acidity, then it will um, cause less of a burn injury to your esophagus. And that's why we tell people don't drink too much. Uh, don't do things that'll increase the acidity of your stomach. But unfortunately, uh, but fortunately there's actually a medicine that we can take that will re regardless of what you eat, will reduce almost all the acid in your stomach um, to, Low enough levels that you you don't have to you won't get uh, heartburn really. Okay. And uh, but people don't like taking medicine sometimes. So are you talking about tums or something else? I uh, know it's called uh, they're called proton pump inhibitors and literally what they do is they block proton oh, pumps. That sounds futuristic. Um, and it's actually sounds mechanical. Yeah. Well, it's old. It's been around. Well, <laughs> when I say old, it's been around for 15, 20 years or so. Maybe twenty five oh. years. Um. And yeah, I mean, that's Omeprazole or Nexium or Prilosec or Protonix. Those, those are the medications. And if you, can, if you take oh. that once a day, usually that will reduce almost all the acid in your stomach and mm. usually won't have much trouble. That will, would that help my Asian glow also when I drink alcohol? No. Because I think Pepsid. <laughs> Pepsid is the one that usually is associated with that, right? Oh, okay, Pepsid. Zantec? No, I, I think I'm mixed up. Uh, you said Prilosec? I mm -hmm. mixed it up with uh, the other one. Pepsid, oh, Pepsid? yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm. Um, actually, uh, my best friend. He's uh, he's telling us he takes Pepsi every every time he caught you. Lynn would be a terrible doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. You, give it, you give it some time, you'll learn the different words, and they'll. And oh gosh, and the learning the 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 drug name versus the trade name is it's it's all a wash. By any so chance, doubles you, your brain memory. It really yeah. does. By any chance, do you know of uh, was it Pepsi and then alcohol for for the, to stop the uh, Asian glow? Is that bad in any way do you know no okay okay uh, pepsi is a very uh, benign medication what if just say what if i was an a raging alcoholic but i chose to take my peptid every day before i drink so i'm doing peptid uh pepsi pepsid yeah um three years in a row every day with alcohol no problem really yeah because because uh, that's um, awesome that's great to hear have... my my wife is like hey maybe you shouldn't do that so often i i rarely do i did i've done it probably like four times over the last four years uh -huh. so once yeah, no. a year jesus christ <laughs> that's too much what are you doing why are you drinking so no so uh, when it comes to these acid relieving medications we usually tell people to take them every day yeah and um uh, what was interesting is that so so the proton pump inhibitors or ppis as we call them 
They have been associated with every bad thing you can think of under the sun. There, people said, "Oh, it causes pneumonias, it causes dementias, it causes electrolyte imbalances, it causes infections, it causes um, a very uh, serious uh, GI infection called C. diff and other GI infections and and blah blah blah." I mean, like all these associations that people do. And the problem with medical studies is that sometimes, um, if you run, uh, if you Sometimes you'll ha you'll be able to run stats in such a way to get a specific answer, even if mm. and make it look like it's statistically oh, yeah. significant, yeah, even if it's everything. not necessarily clinically significant. So yes, right. I mean you had one case um, out of a thousand, um, that's maybe statistically significant. But if you had one case out of a million, I mean who the hell cares? Right. So um, there's a study that was done uh, two years or two years ago now. It was uh, published in one of the journals uh, where they had seventeen thousand plate patients. 8,000 of them were taking a PPI, 8,000 of them were not, and they just kind of followed them for five years, and they found, like, the association with pneumonia is... Wait, what about, what about the other 1,000? Were they dropouts or what? <laughs> they were part control? Uh, it was oh, like 8,500 or 8,500, okay, okay. something like that. <laughs> I mean, and, and actually, you know, if you look at most big studies, they'll have some, they'll have close to, like, 500, like a good... One to five percent people will just drop out of the study okay. for a lot of different uh, reasons. Um, but anyway, died. That, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, it's <laughs> one of the ways you'll see. Um, well, if you get a big enough population, there's some death rate. Absolutely. Other, okay. And and for long enough, right? So yeah. so this was a five year study, and they show that there's no association with any of these things, other than there's maybe a slightly there is a slight risk of uh, mineral deficiencies, like you if you don't. Uh, have enough minerals or, or like essential minerals in your diet, then perhaps you might be decreased. You might have a decrease in that, but there is a slightly increased risk of infection of GI infections. But again, those are people that I think are going to be a little bit on the sicker side that it, like you or I, if we take PPI, our risk of GI infections is already um, astronomically low. Maybe it's a slightly higher with the PPI, but not so much so that I would say recommend you stopping it. Gotcha. Yeah, you should just drink more. <laughs> don't, don't let that stop you from drinking as much as you please. <laughs> exactly. Um, by any chance, is hernias in your wheelhouse? Uh, hernias, I mean, they're they're part of it, but uh, we would not fix the hernias. That'd usually be a surgical thing. Okay. Um, do you know enough? Wait, what's what's a hernia? Is that when your organ pops through your muscle tissue? Yeah. So so it doesn't always have to be an organ. Um, it can just be. So you know you have a lot of fat on your belly. Uh, sometimes it can just be the fat in your on the belly will actually herniate through um, a muscular defect. Um, mm. It could be there's there's these things called inguinal hernias. There's an inguinal hernia that which which is like there's a ring right in the uh, right in the groin that allows the like uh, uh, the nerves and like the spermatic cord and other things go through. Uh, things can actually herniate. Did you say spermatic that. cord? Yeah, that's like the yeah. Okay. Luckily, well, no, urology is not my field, so I don't always <laughs> have to know too much about that. But um, you know how you like you have these people that have like giant scrotums, like like this huge scrotum um, that actually happens. Wait, big balls? It's not big balls. It's actually like something you you can actually Google this uh, where they have like it's like elephant scrotum where they actually have intestinal oh, contents that. in their scrotum because there is this uh, inguinal ring that uh, unfortunately if it doesn't. Uh, I guess if it stays too open too long, then uh, like you can have your organs are contents. dropping into your ball sack. Intestines generally can't. It, it can. It's wow. very rare. It's very rare, but um, that's one possibility. And that's like, do they come in all panicked? Um, I no, would, right? No, I would. But yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen over one day. This is usually a, a congenital thing. So congenital meaning this happens at very, very early in life. Oh, like my my sack was always gigantic. <laughs> there you go. And then, I, then you don't have to worry about it. Right and now. I didn't watch porn, so I don't know what a normal size <laughs> sack should be. Um, <laughs> but there is one. I was hernia. looking at the wrong people in the porn. <laughs> there, you there you go. There you go. Sorry. 
there is one hernia that we we generally do deal with, and it's called a hiatal hernia. And what that is is uh, when you think about it, your esoph- uh, your stomach, uh, your esophagus when it squeezes, it squeezes both this way and it also shortens. So uh, sometimes when it does that, part of the stomach will go up into the chest. Like it's a very small portion, like a centimeter of the stomach will go up, will be basically pulled up into the chest and then go back down um, after the contraction is over. Uh, For some people though, some part of that stomach doesn't go down, it just stays up in the chest. Doesn't usually cause too much issues um, unless it's very large and like what's large is usually over three centimeters, which is roughly a little bit over an inch and something. when it gets to when it gets to three, four, maybe five, you have a slightly increased risk of heartburn because if you think about it, the 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 reason why um, the this hole in the chat the, in the diaphragm that actually keeps the stomach down uh, is also important to keep the, the 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 door on the bottom closed. Yeah. So if the stomach is above that, then that door isn't going to be as effective. Your stomach's getting too uppity. Yes. Yeah. Literally. Oh. Um, <laughs> just tell my story of my hernia years ago. Uh, uh, I think it was a hernia. I'm just getting consulting from you. Yeah, <laughs> sucker. Uh, and well, like I said, I'm not a surgeon. So if a surgeon is listening on the podcast, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Leave, leave a comment down below. <laughs> yep, cut it out. Cut it out. Uh, I had two friends. We just we just had a blast that week. We were drinking and partying every night. Uh, this was when I was like 27 years old. They're about that same age. Every night we were getting like <laughs> two. So bad. We we're two hours of sleep. I think for a week straight. We we're it was nuts. We were just fucking drinking and partying every freaking work day. Wake up, go to work, party it up all through the night, and get two hours of sleep. Seven days. I think on the sixth day, something felt right up here. It felt just not right. Like mm-hmm. a, I would describe it as an acid feeling. Mm-hmm. Was, this, was this when you discovered Tijuana? No, no. So they sent you on this radio. <laughs> no, I wish that would have been a better story. This, this story does. There wasn't really any. It was just three of us. We we're just hanging out. It was stupid. It wasn't even like a massive party for just drinking your asses off at a bowling alley at home, dude. It was terrible. There was no good story by this. But so on the, I think the sixth night it started burning, and it continued to burn for like a week, if I remember correctly. And then I started searching online. What is this feeling? And then people are saying it's probably a hernia. I still don't. What do you think? I still don't know what it is. I was probably more acid reflux than a hernia. Because I mean, did someone actually? Uh, did you go to a doctor for it or anything? I did. They took a stool sample. Gosh, I was I was twenty seven. That was thirteen, uh, twelve, thirteen years ago. Um, I don't. I, uh, there was blood. There was dark blood in the stool, or dark. It was dark red. So blood. Um, I don't know if that's an indication that a hernia. I mean, so, so, so dark blood in the stool uh, or, or any blood in the stool um, coming from up here, like in the stomach or something, is, is, is a little unusual. Usually if that was going to be, uh, if it was going to present in the stool that there was bleeding, then that's actually, that would be pretty bad. That, that means like you're bleeding so, so significantly up here, it's going through your GI tract really fast and uh, hitting your colon really fast, which is a little unusual, especially if you're just like, ah, you know, I just feel kind of queasy and just a little bit of pain but nothing more serious you're not lightheaded you're not passing out yeah yeah you're not yeah. sweating or anything like that yep. so that that bleeding is probably more hemorrhoidal than anything else and um hemorrhoids are very common um there, there's there's internal and external hemorrhoids external internal. hemorrhoids are not are not common because people will notice because external hemorrhoids are are hemorrhoids that you can usually feel as you wipe you'll feel like a bump or something internal hemorrhoids um you won't notice you won't know about unless i did a colonoscopy and and i actually saw the hemorrhoids so yeah pretty much 
Um, and what are, what is that just a, that would just be an abnormal growth that we have no control of. It's not uh, yeah. And what it is, is basically the, the muscle, the muscular wall around the anal canal, um, it's just uh, use it so much that usually some of these vessels that kind of um, these veins that are kind of lining around that area, they can just bulge through. And um, having hemorrhoids is not a big deal. It, it usually doesn't cause any trouble. It's just if they get really, really large where it's actually obstructing the, the anal canal or you can actually an internal hemorrhoid, if it gets really, really large, it can actually pop out of the anus and that's that becomes a problem. That needs to be fixed. Sounds unpleasant. That would be very unpleasant. So did you mean to say earlier that if you're bleeding higher up in your digestive tract, that any blood that went through would basically get digested and you wouldn't notice it? It would be, it? and it would be black. Okay. So it, the, it, it would turn black. Uh, it the, would turn black and tarry. We call it melana. And it has a distinctive smell, too. I mean, not that you would notice, but I, I would know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, you're an expert. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually two things you can tell by smell. And one is um, blood. Okay. And two is um, there's a dire, there's a, a specific uh, GI infection called C diff, C. which diff. is it's a it's it's stands for a bacteria called Clostridioides difficile. Okay. Um, and it's actually it can be norm, part of the normal gut flora because uh, we have a lot we have millions of bacteria, billions of bacteria in our gut. Yeah. Um, but uh, this one in particular, if it has a particular gene that secretes a toxin, that can actually cause um, development of severe severe diarrhea. It's like profound diarrhea. People can oh. die from this. Um, and that you can tell by smell also. A lot of nurses, you'll go into a room and nurses will be like, hi, doctor, I, I think he has C. diff because I can smell it. And uh, that happens a lot. You like can actually it, apparently like you can it's so horrendous that it burns into your brain? or No, it's just, it's it's a distinctive smell. I mean, just, it doesn't smell like regular poop. Okay. So it smells like pine saw mixed with Pepto-Bismol? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know what's sad is that I can't actually even describe the smell. It's <laughs> indescribable. I've smelled it and I'm like, oh, I think this uh, this smells like C. diff a little bit. And yeah. uh, you just kind of get used to it and then you're like, oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I was trying to describe chocolate versus vanilla the other day and I have no idea how to. <laughs> you would think that would be possible, but no. I can't tell you how to describe, like if somebody had never tasted either one. Exactly. I don't know how. Yeah. What are you going to do? You just and they're both sweet. And, yeah. No. I don't yeah. know. But blood. Yeah. So so if you had say if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, I mean, what ends what can end up happening is that you can have some inflammation in the stomach. Um, and or as I said, alcohol is associated with increased acid reflux. So um, that's probably what it was. You just had a lot of acid reflux. I mean, you said you weren't sleeping very well. You were drinking a lot more than usual. Probably weren't eating as well. So um, you put all that together, and you're just probably more at risk for heartburn at that point. So Hennessy. Uh, shit, I don't remember what we're drinking. <laughs> it's all a little hazy. Yeah. Um, a afterwards, I, some, uh, a friend, uh, a friend of a fr my aunt's or my friend's aunt, she like pres prescribed some like egg yolk, uh, milk tonic that she said would work. Is she a witch doctor? Yeah. Um, she was super kind, super kind. She recommended yeah, she, she gave me, she made some of that concoction, had me drink it for, I think it was for a week or two, mm. it, but I think it was more the sleep that I just, <laughs> I said, all right, that week was too crazy. Let's get some regular sleep and, <laughs> right. and it went away eventually. I mean, that's definitely part of it, but, but also, I mean, you, you, anything that's like milk-based, that's, you know, kind of basic, um, it'll help, uh, that kind of helps coat the stomach a little bit like that, that that's supposedly supposed to work, mm. yeah. so... That's why egg yolk with some milk and yogurt, that sort of thing. In fact, actually, if you look at South Indians, South Indians are supposed to eat. Uh, so uh, South Indians are, I'm from South India. Um, we tend to be darker, shorter, 
not as good looking as your as a northern Indian counterparts apparently. Because oh. um, if you look at Bollywood, so so there's actually apparently there's two movie industries in India. There's a Bollywood and there's yeah. a Tollywood, uh, and Tollywood is South India and Bollywood is North India. Okay. Um, I when I was a kid growing up in in India, in Tollywood uh, movies you would have guys that are like you know. Uh, fairly good-looking guys, five ten, five nine, or something. With awesome normal. hair. Yeah, with awesome hair, normal, yeah. a normal build or whatnot. But um, they would be kicking the ass of like fifty people. Like <laughs> literally, there'd be yes. like fifty people in a line running to try to kill them. Yeah. And they would be beating the shit out of all of them, and it'd be so cool. And then North Indian movies, you'd have like these six foot three gods uh, um, of men, basically. Yeah. And, and all they'd be doing is singing and dancing. And just like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> what the hell? This is just a romance movie. There's not. I mean, like you see this guy, and you're like, oh man, he's probably gonna kick somebody's ass, but yeah. but no, no, it's you, just a lot of. You go straight to the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> this was back in the day. I think there 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 there's they're a lot better about like different types of movies now, or even like. 20 years ago. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some that are like, he's a little douche and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But this is what I remember growing up. So so after Slumdog Millionaire, there was a renaissance in Indian movie making? Uh, or, is it, or is that an American movie? I think that's an American movie. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Take it all back. I think it's... Actually, I have no idea. You know, Now that I think about it, I have no idea if that's an Indian or, Amer- or, or a Bollywood movie. I Because mean, all the actors are Indian. Huh, weird. I haven't I watched it. I'm up. just... Making sweeping broad <laughs> claims that I have no substantiation. Just like me. Yeah. Jake's <laughs> not a real doctor. Um, we Welcome about? to the Talks with Lim Lee show. <laughs> I met Big once at a bar and thought he'd be a great podcast, podcast guest. <laughs> and that is a true story. Is there any other wisdom that you would have? Maybe I'm thinking on the lines of, is there things common people should... That you wish they would know too. Yeah, stop eating so much. <laughs> Besides that one, is there something I can convince myself to do that? Then I will try to convince others to yeah. do that. My God, yesterday, wait, wait. I uh, was at I a have? buffet. I was at a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had pizza for dinner. God damn it. What am I doing? And then I, I, I ate pizza for lunch today. And then I'm going to a talk this evening and I'm going to have a dinner at like some Fleming Steakhouse or some ridiculously nice. uh, fancy place. And ugh. you can get the asparagus with it and it'll uh, balance it out. Right. The, you know, have you ever watched those uh, co- that cooking show with that dude that unfortunately passed away? That CNN dude. Um, uh, oh Bourdain. God. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, apparently he, he once said that, you know, restaurant vegetables taste so much better than vegetables you make at home mm. because they use so much butter. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So yes. the sheer amount of calories of a salad in a restaurant even if you feel like you're doing better for you feel yeah. better about yourself, it's like a thousand calories. You might as well just have that burger and uh, make yourself feel good. Instead yes. of feel like you're eating healthy. Torture yourself. <laughs> um, um, I think that's a large part of restaurants in general is uh, yeah. if you ever watch them cook, they'll dump in more salt or more sugar than you would ever sanely put on your own food. Yeah. Cause then it comes out tasting amazing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if you're going to go out to a restaurant, then just go wild. Don't just every other day try to restrict yourself a little bit that's that's usually what i tell advice from a doctor (laughs) so you know i like to think of my role as a physician is as your advisor i'm here like um you know i'm here to let you live your best life uh i'm not going to try to restrict you unless i absolutely have to like even people that that uh uh, unless you have really really bad liver disease in which case then i say you can't have Uh, a drop of alcohol yeah if people have some slightly elevated liver tests or or you know they have some other liver disease or something like that 
I usually tell them no alcohol for the most part, but if you like have a special occasion or something, you want to have like a drink, please. Okay, you can do that. But otherwise, stay away. And it's the same with people have heartburn. I'm like, yeah, you know, I know you like coffee, but three cups of coffee a day is a lot. And you you have, especially if that's making your heartburn worse, try to go down to like once every few days instead of every day or something like that. Just get you fixed. Mm. I wish more people did it that way where, where, you know, I'm your advisor. I'm not, I'm not here to like force you to do something because I can't. Yeah. Uh, Do you happen to, oh, this is probably out of your wheelhouse is just um, stem cell surgeries. What do you think about that? I have absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. So that's that's one area I, I don't know anything about. How so, about this? Does it seem legit or seem like bullshit? Um. So thank you. When they say, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, surgery. There's so many different ways to do surgery and so many different things. The closest that I would say that I've come across when it comes to stem cell surgery is um, there. There was I went to this uh, GI conference called the Liver Meeting in uh, uh, DC in 2017, and at that time. There was a German company that was trying to um, build a 3D model of a liver okay, and uh, have a stem cells in that and then maybe like and uh, try to force them to differentiate in, uh, to liver cells. Okay. And they'll just have the architecture pre-made so that they can just ar- uh, arrange themselves in the way that a normal liver is supposed to. And then that way we'd, we would... Um, just grow extra livers. Yeah. I mean, you can grow an extra liver and if you, if you can do that. I mean, right now... Uh, in the U.S., we do roughly eight to nine thousand liver transplants a year. Right. And but there's like thirteen thousand people on the waiting list, or twelve to thirteen thousand. And then r- there's like mm. double that number of people trying to get on a waiting list. When, when you're done, I have a burning question about this. Okay. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Oh, you're done with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, yeah. that's the usual way. So if you can print livers, or if you can make stem cell uh, yeah. based uh, uh, organs like that, then for transplant, that would revolutionize transplant. Now. Now I wouldn't even tell you stop drinking. You know, are you drinking too much? Well, if you can afford a, a million dollar liver transplant, go for it. Gotcha. You just said a million dollars to get a new liver in the U.S. Unfortunately, well, used like liver. That. Yeah, okay. unfortunately, million dollars for a used liver. Cause if because if, if you think about it, it's not just the liver. You got to get the liver. You got to get the medicines. You got to pay the surgeon. You got to pay yeah. someone to get the liver. You got to pay for the nurse that's actually going to take care of you. Yeah, uh, and they really should. Uh, they really should be some of that budget should go to your caretaker because for the first three months of the transplant, you're not going anywhere. Someone's going to yeah. have to make sure you're taking all the meds properly, and someone's going to be got to be there. In fact, that's actually a criteria. If you don't have mm. anyone that can take care of you twenty four seven, yeah, for the first month or two, can't get a liver transplant. Because oh, they don't want to waste a good liver on absolutely. Because I mean, going to die anyway. How they, yeah, yeah, how are they going to get? Uh, how how will they know if that person is not if that person's got sick or something? Right. So if it costs a million dollars, does the person who's given up the liver get any money? They're dead. So we're 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 harvesting donate donated livers. Uh, yeah, that's the the vast majority. About ninety percent of uh, liver transplants are what we call deceased donor liver transplants. I think we would get a lot more organ donors if some. Even a thousand dollars out of that million, like, cause it's on. Like, is it the DMV that says, "Do you want to be an organ donor?" Mm-hmm. Why would I pick yes? I get nothing. I literally get nothing. I mean, other than if it was a thousand dollars, I bet you most people would say yes. I guess that's fair. I mean, look how many organs you can get out of a dead dude, right? Where are you going to get that from? And, and, and the other thing is, is for the million dollars it costs for the liver. Well, I guess if that, I guess that's the case. That's fair. But then one tenth a, of one percent is too much of that to go to. I or you know what? Raise the price by a thousand. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Frankly, I wouldn't care if that if yeah. that got more people to be organ donors. I'd be like, all right, that's fine by me. If you want to allocate some of that budget for that, sure. Yeah. How many people would check yes for a grand? 
I'm for their sure family? Everybody. It'd be $1,000 for their family? No, like, no give me the 1000 now. Oh, prepaid. Yeah, yeah, so to hey. get that organ donor. Uh, yes, uh, organ yeah, donor. There's organs waiting here. Pretty healthy. The one thing is, is as you age, those organs do become less, less valuable. Offer to 18-year-olds, right? No. Yeah, right. so so that would be where it's offered to motorcycle riders. That I mean, honestly, I feel like we should. <laughs> yeah. We get two thousand. We're coming up sooner. No, those people, better bet. Those people should pay us because at this point we're waiting for them to crash. And die. <laughs> yeah. No, as far as I know, uh, motorcycling is a pretty risky. Oh, it's terrible. It's super risky. I mean, it looks cool, but damn, man, it's what stop. I would love to. I just looks like a bad. Yeah, you make one mistake and now you're splayed out and it's paralyzed not, for life. Yeah, not even if you make a mistake, yeah. you're, others hitting you. Some schmuck I, doesn't even notice you. I mean, you know, because you see the, I don't know if you've ever, uh, you guys ever driven in L.A.? Yes. L.A. traffic is, is actually, I never had road rage until I uh, lived in L.A. That was when I first developed road rage. But mm. um, the thing, you know, you see those motorcyclists that are like weaving between cars and bumper yeah. to bumper. They're just like going straight. Yeah. And, now, no one notices them, and they're going like 30, 40 miles an hour, and yeah. then someone tries to turn, and boom. I've seen that actually happen once. It's yeah. ridiculous. I, I mean, but even at 40 miles an hour, it doesn't sound too bad. Like, motorcycles get fast real quick. Right, right. But, yeah. I mean, the, the human body is not designed to move at 40 uh, yeah. miles an hour. So when you, if, if you get... <laughs> Stop immediately from 40. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're still on the bike, then yeah, whatever. Yeah. You get a dent on the bike. But if you don't notice it, and you, you're not paying attention, you fly off the bike, and now you're... Now yeah. You're, doesn't take much to actually hurt or, or like paralyze a person. Yeah. Uh, I think there was like a Freakonomics or something or one of these. Uh, anyway, some kind of study of New York pedestrians, like New York City pedestrians. Mm-hmm. And if you're obese, uh, you're less likely to like break bones and, and have as much impact injury getting hit by a taxi or something because you got more cushion. That, I mean, that, that makes sense, right? I mean, yeah. because physics of it, if you get hit, you're, whether you get hit on the side or the front, um, it's usually going to be in the belly or a little bit below, and you have a lot more fat there if you're obese as compared to... You, you, have, a, you have a crumple zone. Yeah. And, <laughs> exactly. But on the other hand, uh, if, you, if you do get hit and you end up in the hospital, if you're obese, then it's a lot harder to survive at that point. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense because that yeah. means that might mean that you're in a higher speed collision. And you got hit hard enough to get past you. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's probably, maybe. Yeah. Sorry, all the things we were talking about made me think of that. What was your burning question, though? Oh, why can't we give money to organ donors? Oh, uh, I think because organ donation is, is, is that just like by the state? Because the, the, um, you're registering in the state DMV, so I'm guessing it's the state. So the state would have to find the money to, to get to this because the state doesn't get paid. That million dollars doesn't go to the state. I'm it's, saying whatever, where are the millions going? There could be a grand in there for. I mean, if you wanted to put that into like a state pocket so that the state could fund that, I, uh, I yeah, I frankly, I mean, as long as the math makes sense, I think that's fine. But it's uh, the same way with adoption, right? Doesn't it cost a shit ton of money to adopt a kid in the U.S.? Absolutely. But if you put your kid up for adoption, you don't get any money, right? No. So, what is, I I don't know. I come from an accounting background, so I'm like. <laughs> So who's making off with all the money? That's it. Yeah. So <laughs> if the I, seller isn't getting it, then <laughs> so when I say it's a million dollars, so like if you look at the nitty gritty of a transplant, right? So what what do you got to pay for? So so you're paying for the surgeon. Yeah. You're paying for the the medical the liver doctor that you're take that's going to take care of you in before and after. You're paying for the hospital bed, which by the way, hospital beds like um, ICU beds cost anywhere from like three to five grand a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the floor, it's like a one to two grand a day, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, and, and these numbers actually vary by hospital to hospital, state to state. And yeah. um, 
larger hospitals, it probably will charge you more because it is a larger hospital and they can command a higher fee. And, and again, this is it's all very opaque, unfortunately. It really well, shouldn't pe- be. People pay more for nice looking hospitals. People pay more for nice looking hospitals for nice looking uh, for the nice name. So you said I yeah. got treated at Mayo Clinic versus I got treated at uh, Mountain View Hospital. People uh. like Mayo Clinic. Oh, this is a national, internationally renowned medical organization. So oh, people, so we just need a John Hopkins in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a Cleveland Clinic in Vegas, and there's also uh, Loma Linda actually has a liver center in Vegas. So there's a uh, few of those. They're big in San Bernardino, or is that not their home? Uh, Loma Linda is that's that is where they are, but um, they actually they they developed the liver outreach program in Vegas because Vegas doesn't have their own liver transplant so yeah they did a very good job um it's been they're the person that actually did it uh we need some scripts to come up here that would be cool <laughs> I don't know if they do transplant I know UCSD does um, and, so, and some does. cedar Sinai's. we need some of those in town <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh sorry get a big actor to come and pay for it they would they would because I think they had a tower their IC one of their ICU towers is literally like I think the Steven Spielberg tower or something oh. because he, he put a million dollars or something into them yeah who are we talking to we're talking about who's jewish actors we just need jewish actors to pay for a cedar sinai here in vegas that'd be nice yeah i mean we have so many casino owners that have like billions of i didn't even know this resort was like three billion dollar casino i heard four but or four i mean like i didn't know the casinos are that much money and um, apparently someone was telling me like in an any given day like a billion dollars we are usually exchanges hands in <laughs> on, in, in vegas, vegas or yeah. a week or whatever something like that which is still i mean yeah on just obnoxious amounts of money at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of gambling going on. Mm. What but, you, but yeah, I mean, casinos, like hospitals, there's a whole lot of associated uh, costs. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing is that when you actually get to the nitty gritty, um, there's, there's way more. I mean, and you got to think the anesthesiologist. Um, I mean, literally, you, a pair of gloves that you buy for the hospital versus a pair of gloves that you buy for yourself like one cent for the gloves um, from Walmart, whereas it's like 10 cents just because it's being sold to a hospital. Is a uh, so you need extra blood, right? Yeah, is blood, blood usually expensive per pint? Um, it it is because you, uh, because again, there's associated costs. You got to actually have a nurse that that takes that blood from somebody yeah. else. They got to get um, they've got to rent out the facility where they're getting the blood and stuff like that. So it's a there's just so many different charges in any given medical yeah. encounter that that it's obnoxious. I mean, well, so I I donate blood frequently. Yeah, so I'll, I'll donate a pint of blood. And then uh, the Red Cross will let you track it on an app, hmm. and it tells me it went to a hospital in Utah. And oh, then it, and I then know it, that. And then I think, well, I bet that person paid for the blood. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. How come I don't get anything? I could get like five bucks or something. Again, doing it out <laughs> of the goodness of your heart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, medical costs. I just feel uh, like that's a racket. If there's such high costs on the tail end, why can't there be some remuneration for the, the actual source? That's a good question, and uh, it'd be like if we're paying eighty dollars for French fries, and the farmer who grew the potato doesn't get any of that money. True, he just says extra potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I yeah. don't actually know. Okay, but, but regardless, yeah, medical costs are are kind of exorbitant and a little ridiculous. And uh, are there other countries that do it better? Uh, well, when we say do it better, it's it's that they uh, the, the consumer does not see the cost the way that we do. In, in the majority of other countries. I, I, I don't know. I mean, hell, when I used to live in New York and in med school, 
they, I had a few roommates that were from France and they were able to just carry over their French insurance to the US. Like they, mm. they didn't pay for, they needed to go to the ER or anything. It was actually the French government that was paying for them. Nice. So um, I feel like other countries do definitely do a better job of uh, getting people health care access better. Um, but I mean, the U.S. healthcare system being what it is, we, we, uh, yeah, we, I, I, I just don't know how you're going to fix, fix all of the costs in, in U.S. healthcare. And also I feel like we subsidize healthcare for other countries in the sense that, I mean, you know, the, you can make a lot of money in the U.S. that you just can't make elsewhere. And if you change that to a state, like a, you know, nationwide insurance yeah, yeah, plan, how is that going to work? I mean, are other countries now going to have to pay a lot more? Cause like there's, they're, Drugs that you can get in other countries that are literally like there's um, pedulated interferon. It's, it used to be an old treatment for hepatitis C. Yeah. It's like $12,000 um, a day or $12,000 a month or something ridiculous like that. Wow. Um, in the U.S. But it was like $1,000 for a whole for a whole year course in Egypt. Wow. Um, can I go live in Egypt for a year if I have hep C? I mean, we have much better treatments than that now, so I would never recommend okay. that. Uh, now it's just a pill a day that doesn't cause any symptoms. E that Egypt's a sketchy place if you're American. Probably. <laughs> 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 um, well, so America supports three highly profitable industries, right? The, mm -hmm. the hospital industries, the insurance industry, and the pharmaceutical industries. Yeah, um, and and I think we uh, the the U.S. public loses out mm. for the, because of that um, overall. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. There's there there was a story of this lady who um, whose husband. This is on NPR. Her husband was like mm -hmm. playing baseball uh, or he was a baseball coach or something. Um, he got hit by a ball uh, on the hand or so something like that. Almost like smashed his hand was mm. broken. Um, she checked her insurance to see which hospital was in network for her insurance. Yes. And so she went to that hospital. And so she took her husband to that hospital and she's like, great. You know, I did my thing. I did my due diligence. Yeah, went to the right place. Yeah. Um, she got stuck with like an extra $500 bill. And she's like, what the hell? Why the fuck do I have another bill? And it's apparent, apparently the ER doctors that was treating her husband was part of a separate group that is not affiliated with the hospital. Mm. So while the hospital got their money back, the ER doctor did not. Mm. And that's something that how the hell is this woman this supposed nonsense, to know that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, crazy. why is she paying for that? Like that—that that should that should not be allowed. But I know how we can fix it. We need a system of federal hospitals to slowly supplant the existing hospital system. Good luck with that. Well, we already have a system of federal hospitals. The called VA. VA, yeah. The VA is um, it's a great it's a good hospital system in some ways, but it's not good in other ways they're they're definitely a little bit slower uh in in adopting newer techniques sure so but if it's free then for for veterans you're right you're absolutely right and um and that definitely is is something to be there's something to be said about that that it is free and therefore they can get good quality care yeah, i don't need cutting edge laser experimental not even know. that it's like they they take forever just to even adopt electronic, like electronic medical records. It, it, yeah. Just basic stuff like, oh, this soldier, this, this ex-soldier went from Seattle to Vegas, but I have no idea what was done in Seattle. Even though they went to a freaking Seattle VA, I have to wait until, you know, I mean, like that, that stuff. I mean, they're a lot better about it now. And I think they're switching there or upgrading their systems and things like that. But there's room for improvement. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. But I agree. I mean, if you can get a nationalized healthcare um, that that would streamline it and make sure that at the very least people's 
or people's bills would make more sense, yeah. then fair enough. Um, and unfortunately, then, there's a lot of players that would lose out a lot of money on that, and that's probably not why. That's probably why it's not never going to get implemented. Well, yeah, but does the army train doctors? Yeah. So, we could be making hospitals and doctors. We already have the ability to make hospitals and oh, doctors. Yes. Federally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can we do it? Yes. Will we do it? That's that's the question that uh, that needs to be answered. Because money buys the lawmakers. Mm, unfortunately. Okay. That's definitely part of it. I mean, I knew I liked you, Vic. <laughs> there's, a, there's a, there's a, you know, I mean, also medical reporting is so bad in the U.S. It's, it's so bad. Medical um, report. What is medical? So reporting? there was an article that came out. On, I oh, like NPR. Like news articles yes. about. Okay, yeah. I like NPR overall. I think NPR does a fairly good, reasonably unbiased. It's definitely got a little bit of a liberal bend to it, but um, a little bit uh, reasonably unbiased. But fairly fact based. Fairly fact based. <laughs> when it comes to their medical reporting, sometimes though they can go, they can get a little bit off base and and make things look very awkward. Um. So there was this one article I read about. Uh, uh, they like to do articles about people of color, that, which, again, I think that's fine. So it's a liberal thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, so this one article was about how uh, uh, when we're looking at dermatologic disorders, so skin can, skin disorders, um, yes. all skin disorders are usually much more representative in, in Caucasians than they are in others. So like all the textbooks usually have them all in Wait, with skin, white skin. Skin color doesn't matter unless you're a dermatologist. <laughs> there you go. Then it really matters. <laughs> then it matters. Because, yeah, I mean, like, how do you, the same rash is the eczema on a black guy versus eczema on a white guy are going to look different. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point to say that, you know, have, making sure that, you know, that a dermatologist can actually recognize different skin conditions and different tones is yeah, important. I got Asian freckles. Exactly. So, um, the, but the way they, the way they worded that is, is like, uh, and they always start with an individualized story, right? Like Mary Sue was taking her son to the doctor the other day because of a rash that she noticed on her on her son's ass. And it's a um, white kid already, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and and um and the kid was black, and therefore when when she went to her family doctor, her family doctor had no idea what was going on and said it was probably nothing. And she became concerned because she was looking it up, and then she realized on the, on the internet that all rashes were listed only in white colors, and she, and that uh. doesn't represent her. And. and and, and that in and of itself is not wrong. Is that then they go then they go to a doctor and, and the doctor is like yeah and they'll go to a dermatologist. This was a dermatology resident mm. um, who's like yeah I get a lot of cases where the family doctor has no clue what they're doing. Wait, so resident means not a full experienced doctor right. yet. He's he, a new, brand new. Right. Okay. They're they're still in training and gotcha. they could be at the tail end of their training or whatever. But bottom line is so like he uh, she literally said yeah family medicine to the effect that family medicine doctors don't know too much. Um, and I routinely get rashes in the, uh, from people of color because family medicine doctors are not trained this way and they don't know anything sort of thing. And it's like, dude, yeah. why would you say it like that? Like, can you, can you think about this for a second? Because now you as a, let's say someone else is in NPR is like, well, my family yeah. doctor is a dumbass. I'm not going to go to them for, for a rash. I'm going to immediately request a referral to somebody else. And it's like yeah. 99% of rashes are nothing. It uh, means nothing. Yeah, yeah. Please don't. Don't discount your family doctor's opinion because of that. And right. then they ended the article with this woman who is not a medically trained professional mm. who decided she would develop an app that would compile rashes of people of color <laughs> so that people can look them up, which yes. is great. I mean, I think that's a great idea, but it's done by a non-healthcare professional. Yeah. If someone says, oh, this looks like eczema on me, but it's actually skin cancer, yeah. what are they going to do? They're going to sue this lady? This lady doesn't right. know anything. 
So yeah, so it's problematic. Yeah, the whole article for Starks. I, I was just uh, by the end of the article, I was foaming mad. I was just like, D- you guys, come on. I really want. I was really um, tempted to just write a letter and just be like, guys, please do a better job, or at least ask some people. <laughs> Don't yeah. throw other doctors under the bus. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hearing a theme of uh, people going to the internet to try to self-diagnose. Mm-hmm. Do we need to? Can, can we advise people how to do that less confidently? Is there? I don't. I don't. Think or, what a, would you say on that? <laughs> I don't think there's an easy way to tell people not to. And I and, I, and I've never told a, uh, a patient don't look up don't look up stuff on the internet. I think the yeah. problem is is that you'll you'll get the occasional patient who's like a hypochondriac who'll look it up, mm-hmm. and um, they'll think, oh my gosh, this is cancer. This is yeah. what it, it says is cancer, and therefore I have cancer. And the doctor says this isn't cancer. Yeah. Um. It's just really like as long as they're willing to keep it in mind, realize that okay, you Google you Google that for ten minutes. Mm. I've done this for ten years. Yeah. So yes, I understand that what you've learned is in, is important. And I and I think one thing is that there are a lot of doctors that just discount that. Oh, you just Google that, you know nothing, and therefore yeah. that. But some sort of conversation between the two where it's like okay, you Google that, but. Here's the actual evidence that says that this is this makes some sense, but it's not always cancer because all these other these symptoms could also reflect other problems and stuff and stuff like that. Gotcha. I've always I always like it when people at least do their due diligence because at the end of the day, as I said, I'm an advisor. I can't force you to do anything. It's it's yeah. up to you about your own health. Well, I think what's more applicable is I did uh, once I did a blood test and they said, oh, you got high triglycerides, mm-hmm. so we're gonna prescribe you phenylvibrate. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what a triglyceride was. Mm. So then I went home and looked up what is a triglyceride? What is it? You know, so I did some homework on understanding that better. Mm-hmm. But maybe the difference is I wasn't diagnosing myself mm-hmm. in exactly. any way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's fine. If you Google something and you have a question and um, because of a symptom you've had and you come to the office and you had questions um, to come in with and you were like, because I, I get that. We get a lot, a lot, especially the older patients. They'll they'll mm-hmm. actually have like a notepad that they've written a lot of questions down or a lot of symptoms that they had down. Um, you only old people use notepads now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I first did residency, um, I had to go back to writing, uh, 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 writing my notes instead yeah. of actually typing my notes. Yeah. And for a good, for, for the first like week, I was like, my God, I can't even write anymore. <laughs> so, so um, but yeah, I mean, it's just- it, yeah, Go it, with the program, VA. I know, right? <laughs> um, it was, it, but, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you do that, I'm okay with that. It's the, the, where it becomes a problem is people who are convinced that they have something and you can't unconvince them of mm. that. And that, that's where, um, you just run it. It becomes a headache for everybody involved is because the person doesn't believe you. You're right. trying to educate the person and you're trying to be non-confrontational, but after a while, even you'll get a little bit irritated and it just, it, it ends yeah. up being a much longer patient encounter and, um, no one wins in that situation. I don't know what to tell you. Your black rash is not a problem. It's just a rash. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, kind of the summary what you guys talked about, how I felt with Dr. Daisley. Daisley I did a podcast with Dr. Daisley where he, he loves it when his patients come in and know a decent amount of their symptoms and the research on Google and what they could decipher as good information. He seemed, he seemed to say that, it was, if I remember correctly, it was something like less than, um, less than 5% of his patients were the ones that were... They come in and they're they're like this is what I have and I'm not I don't care about what you have to say. No. So oh yeah. So in any population you're gonna have five uh, percent knuckleheads. That's what. Yeah. Always. <laughs> well, actually, actually, when he said, I it almost felt like I was surprised that number was that low. I was expecting him to say <laughs> like thirty oh, percent yeah. of people are. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Vast majority of people are much more reason are reasonable. Yeah. You, mm. I will. I have mm. had unreasonable patients only a few times in my career. Mm. Um. 
yeah. So, so usually Googling is, I, I actually uh, definitely recommend people to Google this. Can, can you hook me up with some ivermectin? No. <laughs> no. Should we not go there? I, I mean, <laughs> goddamn. I, I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know. You know what's crazy is not that uh, you say that, is that I was just reading a fucking article on Reddit about a fucking pulmonary critical care doctor that was treating that was actually volunteered to go to new york during the first wave and was oh. doing all this craziness and is now on the ivermectin train oh. and I was like, what what, the f what? yeah what do we do with you people pulmonary is a heart doctor i uh, know they're lung doctors lungs okay okay so she, so pulmonary doctors usually tend to be the ones that usually staff the icus um uh. so yeah it's because pulmonary medicine because they deal with vents all the time and uh, they're much more knowledgeable about the physiology of it so they they also do critical care gotcha Okay. Um, most of the time. You don't have to be. but so, so could we sum it up as based on the wisdom of the medical industry as, as a, you're, you're, you're a full doctor. You're a, a mm -hmm. real deal doctor. Um, there doesn't seem to be a good case for ivermectin being a useful. No. Yeah. Especially at the doses that they, that most people are trying to take them at. Because again, they call it the horse dewormer because, I mean, ivermectin is used uh, for things. Um, I've actually had to use it once. Oh. Well, actually, I, I don't know if it was. Uh, well, I was thinking about using it once, but it, uh, <laughs> I considered luckily, it. <laughs> luckily, I in I am not an infectious disease doctor who specializes in this, and I just yeah. sent the patient to them. Okay. So, uh, but we, this this dude, this patient of mine, had a liver issue, had liver numbers that were abnormal, and we did a biopsy, and he had a parasite growing in his liver. So, mm -hmm. um, and he came from Ethiopia, never thought about it, and it's actually fairly common over there. So we had to treat it, and we we would use something not, not I maybe not ivermectin, but something similar to that, yeah, uh, to treat that parasite. But again, uh, humans and horses are different, and whereas the doses that they use for horses, we're not going to use in humans, and that's what they're taking over there. But yeah, again, it's a horse-sized pill, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. What 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 was the parasite? He had some kind of worm on his. Um, liver? it was uh. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now. It was... Eh. Is it a crab looking thing? No, no. Oh my... Ah, we even wrote a case report about this and I can't... And it's, I'm blanking it's on Ethiopia. it. Ethiopia. Well, we'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. It'll, it'll come to my brain later on. But uh, um, but yeah, so so I don't like ivermectin. I, I mean, you know, it's a, a COVID is a virus. We don't really have great treatments for most viruses in general. Yeah. And I would just say treatment of COVID is really just get the damn vaccine. The vast majority of people, if you just get the vaccine, you're going to be fine. I mean, luckily, we're getting cases down to like less than 20,000 cases a day now. But um, mm. you'd be surprised how many people uh, still just hesitant. I, I had a and I feel like most of the medical community have now just given up. Like you see these articles all the time yes. and whatnot. But the vast majority of the people that I know that are that are either physicians or nurses that are on board. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, I. I, I stop even asking or paying attention if they have COVID. I'm just going to assume they didn't get vaccinated at this point if they're in the hospital. Um, because it's that, like, that's how clear cut the difference is. It's like 99.6% of people yeah. that are uh, people that are in the hospital are people that aren't vaccinated. Yeah. So what was that number? It's like 99. Uh, it was like 99.6. Oh, okay. And this was this is again, this was back in like July. I don't know if the, the numbers are probably lower now, but um, yeah. still vast majority of people are going to be people that are unvaccinated. And uh I had we had this one patient in our ICU um, who was who was a nurse herself, and she and her I was colleagues. Ask you about that, yeah. She and her colleagues had made a pact to not get vaccinated, oh. and uh, she died from that. And her and her colleagues still wouldn't get vaccinated. Well, they made the like the witches deal. Yeah, and, and you're just like what? 
You know, if I can't convince you and you know a colleague that has now died from the virus because she didn't get vaccinated, I'm never going to be able to convince you. And you work in hospitals. And they work in hospitals. And they work with babies. They're like postpartum nurses. But so um, it's it just overall, I, uh, I've i also just given up. I'm just like at this point, I'm like, well. Yeah. But there's some, there's some surprising number of hospital workers that don't want to get vaccinated, right? Yeah. Or didn't, right? No, still don't. Uh, there's some. I mean, I think with, among physicians, the the percentage is actually fairly low. It's like five percent. It was that one guy, the one pulmonary guy. Yeah, there's that, <laughs> and there's a few others. In fact, um, the the surgeon, the head uh, department, whatever state department of health official in Florida refuses to get vaccinated and refuses to wear a mask. Um, uh, well, that's Florida, right? Yeah, that's like the most anti-vax state. It is. Well, definitely one of the most. It's, it's on that belt. If there Wait, is, that's where Mar-a-Lago is, right? Yes, it is. I hadn't made that connection before. <laughs> like literally, I'd never considered uh, <laughs> that the uh, the dethroned Orange King lives yeah. down in Florida. <laughs> wow, it's terrible. And and like he was seeing a the, the the article was about how he was seeing a state legislature or state senator or whatever who had cancer. And mm. she was like, look, uh, we need to have a discussion, but I need you to wear a mask because I had cancer and I'm eating a compromise and I'd like you to wear a mask to, so that we can actually talk about something. And he refused. Well, I mean, he has a whole life and society riding on that aff- allegiance, right? That affiliation to his people. Which is the problem, which is really a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, wear a mask when you're out, when you're in... Crowded places. Crowded places. <laughs> uh, get vaccinated, and uh, hopefully we'll go back to normal. That's that's really but, what. But I But the wish. crazy lack of logic there is: say I'm say I'm an anti-vax, anti-mask, mm-hmm. right? If I get jacked up by COVID, where am I going? I'm going to the fucking hospital. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to go ask you to help me. Mm-hmm. But you already told me what what the the key was to avoid this. Mm-hmm. But now I've I've I fucked it all up, and now I got to come to you. Mm-hmm. So how does that not logically? We've seen it's happened enough times that. That, that the logic isn't there on a on a vice no idea why on a yeah. vice news documentary news uh they interviewed a nurse and her response i thought was it was a great summary of what you guys are getting at she said in in uh others some countries it's as bad as seven percent death with covid if you don't have the vaccine mm-hmm. and then as in america i think it's one percent death if you don't have the vaccine because of our hospitals are able to keep people alive mm-hmm. and she said that means 93 percent of the People are right with whatever drug they choose, whether they choose ivermectin, where they're not going to die. Yeah. Whether they're, I think, in, is it Colombia? I forget which country's using bleach. They're, Jesus Christ. they're shooting Ooh. bleach into their, they're, or they're drinking bleach, I think it is. <laughs> um, and it's so bad that country, God, was it Colombia? I forget. I, I, um, the, it's gone so bad that that government actually has okayed their population, said, if you're in a hospital and you ask your doctor to let you drink bleach, the doctor has to give you the bleach. That's so pathetic. Uh. Um, so, it's, so then in America, ninety that that statistic back is ninety nine percent. Whatever you do, ninety nine percent you are correct. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you could believe. But bleach kills viruses, right? <laughs> That's. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. They're drinking like a. a it also water. kills people. I guess is it the does. other problem. <laughs> it definitely does. Definitely does. And uh, yeah, I I don't like to. See, 
You're halfway there. <laughs> it kills the virus. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively kills coronavirus. Oh, and you. <laughs> I mean, really, if they wanted to kill the virus, they should inhale the bleach. That's what that's that's the new trick, is that now now you can inhale. Oh. <laughs> please don't <laughs> ah! <laughs> crap. Uh, uh, please don't <laughs> try and inhale bleach. You will really you will die. <laughs> Um, Wasn't that how like uh, World War One like gases were like yeah, like Agent Orange and those? Are, yeah, yeah, I mean that, that's it's crazy stuff. I, I I really have no idea what to do about about um, convincing people, and that's why I said I mean I don't think anybody tries to convince people anymore. It's just you, you just kind of yeah. go in and uh, do what you got to do and then leave. My uh, um, my cousin is the head of an ER uh, out out on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and uh, it just came up. I wasn't trying to talk about this, just like I wasn't trying to now, but <laughs> but uh, it, it was taking us to the beach for the day. It was great. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it came up and I'm like, so what, what's your, you know, what's your wisdom on this? And he goes, you know, look, I tell people, obviously if you can get the vaccine, just get it. It's, a, it's great. Just, <laughs> just get the vaccine. Like, but you know what? I tell people to stop doing heroin every day too. I tell people not to drink too much. and They don't listen to me. So whatever. I mean, <laughs> who am I to tell Add you? Add it to the list at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just an ER doctor. What do I know? Yeah. Like, go ahead and go ahead and do whatever you want. I'll see you next week. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and and then really, it's it's just it's become one of those. I think really what what uh, grinds my gears is how uh, how they're taking that out on other people that are trying to max. Like if you take it out on me again, I've yeah, I've had I've literally I think the the funniest patient encounter I've ever one of the funniest patient encounters I've ever had. Uh, I was a resident, and we were trying to get an IV line in this lady who uh, needed pain medication because she had really bad. She was an IV drug user, mm, yeah. um, and she had a really bad abscess in her arm from MRSA, and she was in so much pain. What's Poor an, lady. What's an abscess from MSRNA? A- MRSA is a it's a bacteria. It's an antibiotic resistant bacteria. So it's a it's staph. So MRSA okay. stands for methicillin resistant staph aureus. Okay. Um, and uh, you can get uh, cellulitis or an infection of the skin with um, non-MRSA staff as well as MRSA staff. And uh, just MRSA staff will more likely to give you an abscess or, or just like a pus-filled. Oh, okay. uh, uh, so if it's resistant, what do you just you have to use? But you have to use a different antibiotic. So okay. uh, we do have some antibiotics that do work against that. So we were giving her the antibiotics, and we'll and we drain the abscess and stuff. But she was just in a lot of pain because yeah, of this. Yeah. Um, and she's a heroin user, so she's already so she's more tolerant of narcotics than usual too. So we wanted oh. to give her some IV pain medicines, but she had literally uh, destroyed all her veins because she's an IV drug user. Oh. <laughs> and and I, we were trying to get out. We were trying to find even between the toes, even between the toes. Holy like, shit! She she did. She she found them all. <laughs> found them all. Whatever she could, she did. Wow. Um, uh, except the largest veins, which we weren't <laughs> we weren't going to touch those just yet. Um, but we were trying to get an IV line. We couldn't. And this lady was screaming at me. She's like, you have not tried hard enough to get an IV line in me. I do this all the time. What the hell? <laughs> you have not tried hard enough. We were like, okay, look, we've literally gone through 10 IV needles and I've tried. The nurses tried. The nurse is way better than me. They usually, they do this so much more often than I yeah. do. The other doctors tried. This doctor tried. Like, what, what else do you want? I mean, like, we gotta, we're gonna keep trying, but you gotta wait until the morning. Because the thing was, this was at like three in the morning. You're poking and, too many holes in her, right? Yeah. <laughs> and she, and she refused. She didn't want to wait until seven until there was like a more experienced nurse that could put a little bit more dedicated IV line. Uh, and so she wanted us to do it right then and there. Drug users don't want to wait. She's yelling her. She was screaming at the top of her lungs, <laughs> saying. You have not tried every possible mechanism. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Do everything. And it's like, 
Work harder. I don't, I don't know what to say to you anymore, <laughs> man. I have tried. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh man, is we, this is this where you wanted to go with this? Because I thought I was I was charmed by Big when I met him. I thought he was an intelligent dude. I thought he'd be a great speaker. Did you want to come on just for fun, or was there anything? No, any it was, yeah. it was actually just, I mean, yeah. Honestly, I was definitely a little bit drunk when you uh, when you were asking, so <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. I, I didn't actually expect anything to come of it, but at the same time, I like talking. Okay. Overall, and yeah. uh, if I can well, talk and a educate commitment. a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. But if I can talk and educate a little bit, that's that's always fun too. Um, so nice. back to your point, as far as a few things that I like people to know about the world of GI. So first thing is is everything in moderation, whether it's food, calories, alcohol, um, most things. Um, obviously, if you have certain diseases, then. Uh, then you're going to have to talk to your doctor about which things that you should absolutely avoid. Um, my specialty, uh, I did do um, a even more specialized training in, in liver disease, so I can usually talk more about that and like tell them, like, okay, these are the things you need to do for that. Uh, the second thing is, is get your damn colon cancer screening, please. I don't know why. When, if I see anybody die of colon cancer, unless they're like 95 years old and halfway checked out as it is, it's terrible. It, it's just it's it's sad to see someone die from a cancer that is almost entirely preventable. And he, he actually told me that at the bar as I was pounding a pitcher of margarita. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's just it's really sad just seeing that uh, seeing those kind of cancers um, because I could prevent that for you. I could have just yeah. right uh, if I just did your colonoscopy or someone did your colonoscopy and found the polyp, then then you you don't have to worry about it. So so that's mm. that's the second thing. Um, but that, that one's only the, the suggestion is in your fifties and sixties, 45, 45, and above. 45 and above. Yeah. So, so it's only in a bad scenario. You're young and you get it. And it's that not. usually, as I said, there's usually some sort of family history. So, so like if say, for example, um, my father had colon cancer at the age of 50, mm. uh, then the, then the recommendation uh, is, is for me, I should yeah. get my first colonoscopy at age 40. If you have certain diseases such as um, inflammatory bowel diseases or you get inflammation of the colon or something like that, usually there's a recommendation that you should get a colonoscopy within seven years. Well, usually they'll have do a colonoscopy for diagnosis of the disease, but um, they'll also recommend doing a screening colonoscopy for polyps and things like that within seven years. And um, so, yeah, there's there's all of the, the, the just the basic screening is super important. And avoiding doctors is not going to make the problem go. I, we, we, my colleague actually just saw a patient who was diagnosed with rectal cancer and let it go for two years and mm. comes back to us now with the cancer has now grown so large that she can't poop anymore. And we, we had to put in a stent. I mean, it was, it's just bad. It's, it, cancer doesn't just disappear just because you want to think about it. So, uh. so get your damn screening and that'll make life a lot easier. Uh, for everyone involved, including you, and, and wait, so colon screening is for men and women. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. I was thinking male oh, more, no. but it's, no, yeah. it's it's for both men and women. Okay. Um, so if you're if you're Black Panthers kids, you want to get screened at like eighteen, like twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> okay. it, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. like when your first degree relative has uh, has had cancer that young, I would hundred percent say if I was their kid by the age twenty uh, by twenty or I mean, I, I guess he got it at thirty five. So by twenty five, you should absolutely have your first colonoscopy. Gotcha. It's exciting. Those are the two main things that I would say, please. Um, oh, and during the holidays, uh, there is a trend. Suicide? Well, no. Oh. Well, I mean, there, there's actually a trend forward towards that, but <laughs> but there's a trend of people eating too much too fast. Yeah. Um, and what ends up happening is that we, we actually do see, there, there, was, there are studies on these that show that people develop food impactions 
in their uh, in their esophagus in the holidays more often. And what food impactions are is literally you're just eat, um, there, there's different ways to get food impacts. But a young and healthy person like you or I, if we got a food impaction, it's because we inhaled the food, we didn't chew it very properly, <laughs> and it's now stuck in the esophagus because we just didn't chew the food properly. Yeah. And that's actually an emergency. You'll need to come to the hospital and we'll need to take that food bolus out or push it down or whatever. But then they're not choking. There's just food stuck. If it's stuck in the chest um, or stuck below the vocal cords, you're not going to be choking. Um, oh, it's in your lungs. It's not. No, no. It's in oh. the esophagus. Okay. So, so the it's it's gone past the it's gone um, past the epiglottis area. Uh. So it's it's behind, it's gone in the esophagus. It's past the upper esophageal sphincter or the door the door in the upper esophagus. But it's now. But the food bolus is so large, it's actually stretched the esophagus too much, where it can effectually contract oh. to push the food bolus down. Gotcha. Because um, you, you got a jam. Yeah, because the esophagus maximal diameter is twenty centimeters. Twenty. 20 centimeters. So that's only uh, four, eight, uh, 20 millimeters? 20 millimeters. I'm oh, sorry. that's what I was like. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. 20 millimeters. Babies aren't so that big, right? Two centimeters. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Oh, boy. We're so 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, eight inches. Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. No, it's two, two, yeah, so two maybe centimeters. Like times so 12. Maybe like yeah, an okay. inch and a quarter, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, two centimeters is the maximal diameter. So if you're, uh, um, that's the normal diameter. You can stretch it further because the esophagus, because most of the human body, the muscles are, are stretchable. But if you start stretching it too much more, then the muscle is actually, it's basically you stretch it too much that the muscle can't effectively contract. So, um, yeah, and, and we see that once in a while. Wow. It's, so it's so at Thanksgiving dinner, chew, take a little more time chewing. Yes, please. Okay. Yes. Especially if you're going to eat all of it. So to rephrase, it wasn't that, well, you said eating a whole lot fast, but it's more just, you could still eat a whole lot, just chew. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm okay. not saying don't eat all that. I'm just saying okay. eat and chew your food before you uh, swallow gotcha. it at least. Yeah, yeah. What about competitive eaters? Is that insanity? Uh, I mean... No, it's not insanity. I mean, again, at least they're, I mean, they're, you don't really have food impactions in those, so they do seem to chew their food properly. <laughs> something, right? <laughs> um, it's actually a quirk of the stomach. The stomach has something called receptive relaxation where as, while you, if you actually do this, so while you're eating, your stomach will automatically just stop moving. It'll, it'll, it's literally like a bag that just will expand and expand and expand with how much ever it can fill. Okay. Um, but then stop eating. Let's say you ate like two or three slices of pizza um, then you just stop eating, but you really want uh, some cake now because yeah, you know, you're done. Cake's you want delicious. some cake. Yeah. Uh, you can absolutely eat that right then and there. You won't feel full. You'll be able to, to eat more. But if you wait like 20 minutes or so, usually by that point, your stomach has uh, now sensed that you've stopped eating and you're and it's going to start contracting and try to digest some of that food. Now you won't be anywhere. Now you'll be more full. Now you'll be less willing to eat that piece of cake. It sends a signal to your brain. Hey, I'm digesting now. Well, it's actually more the fact that you aren't eating is sending the signal to the stomach to start moving. Okay. And not just stay uh, as like a bag. Okay. I would say that because uh, I've heard this uh, saying or some statement, eat and then wait 15 minutes. If you're still hungry, wait 15 minutes. If you're still hungry, then eat again. Because the, the, the objective they're saying is eat a little so that you, it's kind of like a dietary thing to try yeah. to eat less. So that your stomach could send, I guess they told me that sends a signal to your brain to tell you that you're actually full, right. but that's so actually, you can realize you're full. Is that kind of, it's, it's kind of like that. It's just, um, so, so the way the, the stomach starts digesting, uh, so, so actually, you know, the vast majority of digestion doesn't happen in the stomach. The main role of the stomach to, uh, is to act as a reservoir. 
Um, and will and because because the stomach has its two doors in and of itself. There's the uh, door to the esophagus and stomach, and then there's a door from the uh, stomach to the small intestine or the duodenum, which is the first part. Mm. That door ma- uh, diameter is also pretty small. It's only about one one centimeter in diameter. Mm. So um, it's so what the stomach does is it's supposed to hold the food and send little bits of food at a time yeah. uh, so that the it can get maximal absorption of the nutrients from the food as it goes through the duodenum and the rest of the intestines. Again, our bodies are very, very good at absorbing almost all the important nutrients um, in a meal and we eat too much. So say if I didn't want to take your suggestion earlier about chewing, uh, chewing a lot before swallowing, is there any... Uh, <laughs> By chance, if I chew less, will my stomach and the small intestines be able to abs- yeah. uh, uh, well, uh, 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 get less calories? Say I want to no. eat. Okay. Because what, what ends up happening is that if you have, let's say, as you said, you didn't chew too much. So you have a big, you have a big chunk of meat or something that's now sitting in your stomach. That big chunk of meat has to be small enough to get through that pylorus or, or that door. And if it's not small enough to get through that door, it's going to sit there and be digested more and more and more until oh, it so can still, get through that okay. door. Okay. Oh. So eventually, um, it, yeah. So that's why, again, if, the, if that opening, the, this is why liquids will go right through. Most solid meals, it takes about four hours to digest a solid meal. That sounds um, fast to me. It sounds fast, but it's yeah. Uh, it's yeah. So in the in the in the GI tract, well, not that I disagree about, with you. It just seems oh, amazing yeah, yeah. that it can go through all this. Oh no no not not through yeah. all of it, just the stomach. Oh okay, okay. I'm saying four hours from the stomach to the duodenum. Oh, okay. uh, for all of the meal that you've eaten uh, in four hours, that's about how long it'll take for it to go from the stomach to the small intestine. H- how long from eating the steak to pooping? Uh, that can be anywhere from a day a day to close to three days. That makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, so yeah, so from the esophagus to the stomach, uh, it's about 10 seconds. It's about how long it takes for, for you to swallow and have the food go <laughs> gotcha. all the way down. From the stomach to the duodenum, it's about four hours. From the duodenum to the large intestine is about another six hours or so. Um, it can take anywhere from two to six hours, depending on what it is. And then from the large intestine out, um, it can take up to like 24 or, so, uh, 24 or 48 hours or longer. And that's a lot of it because the colon, the vast majority, the job of the colon, again, is just to act as a reservoir to hold the, uh, the stool so that your body can reabsorb all the electrolytes and water because um, there's roughly five liters of secretions in your gut mm. every day, but only about 100, 100 milliliters actually comes out on a daily basis. Okay. So. Yeah. We don't want to waste all our water pooping. Exactly. Yeah. This is exactly. fascinating. Is, do you have any intuition on cold, cold on the body, uh, healing or hurting, drinking warm water for digestion? Um, not, not really. I mean, I, I hear some people say that warm water helps them digest and, uh, you know, that it helps, seems to help some people, but I, I don't know of any real mechanism of how that would necessarily help some people digest more. Well, so wouldn't, wouldn't any temperature water become room temperature or body temperature exactly. water? Within a few minutes. Exactly. I think I've heard quite a few people say that the warm water, because the cold water shocks the system and then it's it's less able to do the work. But I totally, I mean, when you take your temperature, what? Uh, 98.6. Yeah, 98. Um, when you drink cold water, it's probably going to get to 98 within, I mean. A few, within a, by the time it stays in the stomach, it's going to be in 98 yeah. fairly quickly. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really seen anything that says that that'll improve digestion. Uh, well, are these tea drinkers? 
Yeah, that that's what I get. Um, like my wife, she's she's a big tea drinker, and then she keeps on saying it. So I've actually had I think two podcasts where both, but they weren't they weren't doctors. It was just normal You're just lining up people to, <laughs> to unconvince her. No, no, oh no, no, the other way. They keep oh. on they keep on agreeing with her. Oh, so you're the first person that's. Uh, against what she's saying. I'm not saying that it's it's wrong. Again, if it makes you feel, if you have a warm feeling in your belly and you feel like your belly is not working more, I, I mean, go for it. I, I'm, I, I've never actually told people not to do something just because I don't think it necessarily makes sense unless I think it's actually going to harm harm you. So uh, the other thing, I guess the third point of the uh, Vig's points uh, is <laughs> wisdom from the big. Um, wisdom from the big is <laughs> is you know herbal supplements uh, or supplements in general. I recommend people staying away from. Uh, I don't like people taking like uh, daily vitamins. No, vitamins are about the oh. only thing that I would say I'm okay with. Vitamins like your daily centrum that has essential vitamins and minerals, fine. But um, other supplements like you know people you have these weird uh, herbal weight loss supplements or uh, other herbal supplements to cure different things or. Um, I'm eat ginseng all day. Right, stuff like that. Now, okay. if you're using it just for dietary, like you, you know, you have a ginseng tea because you like that tea. Whatever, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. But um, if you're trying to take it to cure a certain ailment, um, I don't, I don't think it works that way. And then, unfortunately, you're using such high concentrated doses of something that you, you don't necessarily know what it will do to you. And then on top of that, if you're using sort of from something from the you, supplement, you industry. left the moderation zone. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then on top of that, if you uh, absolutely that, and then on top of that, if you go to like buy supplements from GNC or something like that, they're not regulated by the FDA. So yeah. literally, someone that says this supplement is a weight loss supplement, they could just be giving you a sugar pill, mm-hmm. and um, because there's not really anybody that is assessing the quality of the of the supplement that they're giving you, um, it could there's could be. Sugar, or there could be anything else. In mm. fact, um, acute liver failure, mm. which is where you just your liver has decided it's no longer going to work. A lot, um, something the most common cause is actually uh, Tylenol use, but um, behind that, there's actually other supplements. And when you see like a 21 year old um, man or woman with liver failure, it's because sometimes it is because they took some supplement that they were using to try to lose weight or try to wow. not be depressed or, or something else like that. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, yeah, just stay away from it. So supplements are unregulated. Yes. Nobody's watching them. I mean, I, I, they, they say now that, that there's like this independent review board that, that certifies that, that stuff. But I mean, honestly, I, there's, no, there, there's no incentive for them to regulate it properly. Right. Whereas the FDA, there's, there's a clear um, reason for them to do that. Is there, how, much, how much Tylenol would you have to take to uh, fuck up your liver? So the, the exact number is, is a moving target. We usually think 10 grams. Um, but what how, we how many tell, pills is it? So it's some of the big so, ones are two fifty. So the the extra strength, extra strength is five hundred milligrams, mm-hmm. and the regular strength is three hundred twenty five. Usually, people take um, either two extra strength every six hours or uh, two regular strength every four to six hours or something like that. Usually, we tell people no more than four grams a day. Um, or so five hundred milligram. If I take two of those, is that a it's gram? One gram. Okay. Sorry, I'm so, not good with metric. Yeah, that's fine. No, but it's the that's that's all it is. Is that we tell you don't take more than four grams a day. And that's pills. if you don't have liver disease. So don't take more than eight of the super Tylenols. Yeah, the super yes. ones. I I, I want to say that the biggest one I saw I think was two fifty. So even the three fifty and the five hundred, that's pretty massive. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at least uh, maybe there's two fifty two, but I I know there's three twenty five and five hundred. Those are the doses that I've usually commonly seen them used. 
Um, but, uh, you know, most people don't intentionally overdose uh, on Tylenol. It ends up being accidental overdoses of Tylenol is, is the one that... Okay, really I thought scares. they were Pez or what? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> or they were just in pain and they didn't realize that taking Tylenol every two hours is not a good idea. Oh, so trying to get rid of this keep... heroin abscess? <laughs> is it by any chance like they, they're, they're so commonly taking like two or four pills at a time so they get to the point where... They're popping. Eight, they're just not, 10. and they're just not thinking about it. Like they'll alternate ibuprofen with uh, with Tylenol, and they'll forget mm. that they're supposed to take ibuprofen this time. They just took Tylenol, and but even four grams in a daily, we don't like. We're I'm not saying that. Okay, so now you can have four grams every day for the next four days. That still puts you at somewhat risk too. So, um, yeah. So we try we try to say this. Just Tylenol is is a very benign and great medication. In fact, for most people, I would absolutely say Tylenol is wonderful. Um, has fewer side effects than almost any other medicines, unless you're taking really ridiculously high doses. Well, should leave the moderation zone. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always. That, that's that's the common theme: is everything in moderation, and you'll be fine. Um, other than supplements, there's no point in taking supplements. <laughs> <laughs> bad, um, bad for your body. <laughs> the it's it, it, you know. Um, have you guys ever watched Last Week Tonight by John Oliver? Yes. I love that show. I mean, it's he does a fairly good job in most topics. I mean, he does, of course, he has his own biases to it. Yeah. But uh, one of his first episodes was on the supplement industry, yeah. and it was a great episode. I think he encapsulates everything about it. And uh, when and this was in the '90s, they actually had Mel Gibson do a commercial about mm. how supplements are not really that bad because what the supplement industry wants to say is they want to be able to say whatever they want to say. But um, but they don't want any regulation because the moment someone says, "Oh, this can actually cause harm," well, fuck. Yeah. All right. I guess now I got to pay more right. attention to what I'm doing. Right. So now there's tons of those. My mom is funny because she's uh, she believes in modern medicine, mm -hmm. but she is not good with the details. <laughs> so, so, oh, you don't feel well? You should have a Tylenol. <laughs> like, well, I don't know if that's going to help with what, you know. What's wrong my, with me? My, yeah, my specific thing. <laughs> it was probably because I drank too much last night. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, when I do get a hangover, I do take some um, Advil or a leave, and that usually helps a little bit. That what, and going for a run. What about charcoal pills? Does that make any sense? So so what, what, what charcoal, what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, absorb, like it's supposed to absorb whatever thing that you've, so like, you know, if you get poisoned, let's say you, you took a poison, we do actually give or charcoal. intoxicated? Um, yeah, I guess you could do it for that too, because what the charcoal does is it will absorb all the alcohol so it doesn't get absorbed by your body. Mm -hmm. um, and it does that with other poisons too. So uh, what, if you- what, what other poisons, what poisons would- Any sort of um, orally taken poisons that- uh, Snake like venom. Yeah, stuff like that. If uh, I mean, not that's not snake venom because it's not like usually snake venom is is gone through the uh, through a bite, but more I, I don't know if you uh, radiator fluid, a uh, coolant fluid, something like that. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. If you get or like even Tylenol, if you can get it, uh, if someone had accidentally ingested like twenty, I mean, there's no real accidentally too, ingestion, too many, but too many. But tylenol. someone has tried to commit suicide with a lot of Tylenol, and they and then they thought better about it, and they decided to come in the hospital within like an hour. You can probably give them some activated charcoal, and it can help with not allowing all of that to absorb. Okay. Um, so, so that's sort of the thing that we, we, we use the charcoal for. By the time you have a hangover, charcoal's not going to do anything. What if I have one before I go out to the bar? Um, or is that... Yeah, yeah is that you like, won't get drunk. Yeah, so am I just paying for drinks then and not, <laughs> not getting that? Okay. So for me, it would be <laughs> peptid and charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, right. at that point, that's just now. Now you're just wasting money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a social drinker, so it's probably a waste anyway. No, uh, that's that's me too. I, oh, yeah. would so would uh, in that case, alcohol. With if you take the charcoal beforehand, would you actually get 
less? Probably, I, I would think so because again, we're using it. It's it's absorptive mechanisms. I think mm. is what what it does, and you just poop it out. Mm. Okay. So I mean, I guess if it's still in the stomach while you drink, then it won't absorb as quickly. So that would be my assumption. Big, I got to run this by you. Mm. I want to lose weight, right? I feel like I'm heavier than I want to be. Mm -hmm. I eat because I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. If I didn't feel hungry, I wouldn't eat, right? Sometimes. I mean. I eat when I have the sensation in my stomach that okay. says I want. Yes, right? the, the sensation that says you want. But is it sometimes it's, there's a sensation that says I just want to eat, and there's sometimes there's a sensation that says I want chicken nuggets. Nothing else. I want chicken yeah, nuggets right yeah. now. So, it's usually buffalo wings. But right, yeah. <laughs> or buffalo wings in your case. So if it's buffalo wings, is it really that you're hungry, or is it just that you want? I mean, like, had you just eaten like two hours ago, and you're like, I really want buffalo wings now. But that's more the flavor on your tongue. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, so a lot of times... I'm going to eat like deli meat rolled into a tortilla okay. just to satiate uh, the, the hunger sensation. Mm -hmm. If I could get rid of that, I would eat less. Okay. So have you ever seen those, those little pills that you throw in the bathtub and they blow up into a foam dinosaur? Mm -hmm. Can I eat something inert that will fill up my stomach then I won't feel hungry and then I just poop it out? So um, I don't I would think there's pay money for that. I don't think there's any pill that actually will work that way in the sense that it won't just blow up and stay in your stomach for a set amount of time and then will be harmlessly passed through your uh, bowels. But um, that concept, dinosaur sponges. But that concept, actually, dinosaur sponges. There is a concept for that, and in fact, um, they do. They are. Uh, there's these balloons you can blow up and just kind of load them into someone's stomach, mm. um, like several several of these balloons too because as i said the stomach's main role is to act as a reservoir so if you fill it with other stuff that's not digestible that's not going to pass through the, the the door between the stomach and the duodenum then yes uh you can theoretically now that person will eat less as long as they're not obstructing as long as they're not obstructing yeah okay. and, and these balloons are freely movable and and things like that so it's not like uh things will definitely get stuck yeah um, but that's a theoretical concern of that. I mean, that's actually the main reason why uh, bariatric surgery works. So, is that, is that where you clip off part of the stomach and so, make it smaller? Yes. So, bariatric surgery, there's there's two major. I mean, there's like I guess there's something called a lap band where you're just trying to compress the stomach uh, yeah. with an exterior band. But um, the two most common procedures is there's a, something called a gastric sleeve, where what they do is you think of the stomach as as that kidney bean shaped. Uh, thing and then what they do is they just cut like a bagpipe yeah they just cut the outside uh, part of it so now it's just a much smaller version of the same thing where they um, cut off and sew up the okay yeah so that's exactly what they do and um, that works um, people do lose a lot of weight off that uh, the problem is is, is anything uh, the human body is very good at accommodating a lot of different things so mm. people who have gastric sleeves or even what they call a gastric bypass where they do a huge um, it's a much more complex surgery, which we don't need to really get into too deeply. Don't do that voluntarily. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think it should be done because, again, it's a major surgery. Yeah. And if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to gain that weight back, unfortunately. Will your stomach just expand back to... No, it, it's not even that it won't. And oh. this I can't explain uh, as as easily because, again, the stomach can't expand. Once you've cut it down, once you've oh. cut it, you've cut it. It's, okay. it's not going to get back to that main size. Yeah, but um, people still eat poorly, or they eat uh, stupid food, or high high calorically uh, calorically high food, or something. Cake. I don't know. Yeah, or a lot of cake, and they're like, "Oh, I guess I mean I lost a hundred pounds, so I can eat more bad shit now." And uh, they will gain like sixty pounds back. And then if you think about it, you 
just went, you just cut part of your stomach off to lose weight and you gained it back. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Do I, I used to work, uh, in a corporate setting. It was a medical devices company. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, uh, company potluck one day. Right. And, uh, I'm sitting there fucking miserable in my cubicle, uh, lunch. I'm like, oh, I'd rather be outside, but I'm here. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just talking to people. And then uh, a lady from another department sits down. I work with her, you know, I send her emails and shit and she's got two plates and she goes, Oh yeah, yeah. I had the lap band surgery. So I, you know, my stomach's smaller. I'm going to eat this one now. I'm going to take this one back to my cubicle <laughs> so I can eat it later. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, lady, you missed the whole point of the thing. <laughs> You're exactly strategizing right. how to eat more around your surgery that was designed to help you lose weight. So it's just. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. people. People don't want the responsibility on themselves. That's that's so now that I've had the surgery, I'll automatically lose weight so I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's that's not how it works. OK, I need a dinosaur sponge pill that if you can if, create one of those, you would make a lot of money. It would just have to be inert, right? And fill the stomach. Yeah, it's just, and that's what I'm saying. These balloon, these balloons do that. But it, so the dinosaur pill, what you're saying is that it would be inert. It would fill the stomach, and then it would at some point deflate and pass through your stomach um, yeah. into the duodenum, and then go out the regular way. Well, then I could sell you those for the rest of your life, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can do that, that I mean, I, I've not heard. There, actually, now we do have pills that are actually appetite suppressants. Oh. Um, and we do have pills that, that do work on that whole thing. Um, endocrinologists are actually very knowledgeable about this in particular. Okay. Mm. I mean, they probably wouldn't give it to me because I'm not that overweight. Right? No, there's actually, there's a new one. It's called <laughs> Ozempic um, yeah. that anybody can take. Uh, Ozempic. Ozempic. I'm going to demand this from my doctor. Really? You can. Um, I think at least one or two of the endocrine fellows that I've worked with said, yeah, I mean, you lose weight. The only problem is, is again, you have to take that for the rest of your life. Does it? It works on just, your, it suppresses your appetite. So if you stop taking it, your appetite is not really as suppressed, and therefore, I think oh, it's called okay, a zempic. Okay, okay. I, I was thinking when you said that you have to take it for the rest of your life. It's kind of, um, we we asked a uh, physician, a phys, uh, what was he? But you asked, physicist, no, um, a physician. I think he. You asked about the testosterone shots, and he said he was saying the problem with that if you have low testosterone, uh, you're trying yeah. to you're trying to take testosterone shots, shots to make up for your lost testosterone. The problem is you're telling. You're telling the body to not, not produce it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I thought you were saying the uh, that that pill, the 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 food, you're, you're telling your stomach not to be hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you're saying you have you you grow some type of dependency on it. Oh no 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 no! It's not dependency. It's just more. It, it it'll stop suppressing your appetite. Gotcha. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, okay. Yeah, the testosterone. It is a funny thing. It, that, if you want to shrink your balls, take testosterone. That's because that's what it would do. Well, no, I think where I'm at is I'm. I had my testosterone tested and I'm in the low part of the normal range. That doesn't do anything. Yeah, but why can't I be in the high part of the normal range? I mean, everybody's physiology is a little bit different. The only thing, see, the thing is, is low testosterone, freaking men's health, man. Uh, low testosterone <laughs> I want to lift more at the gym. This is what I'm saying, is low testosterone. And I want a deeper voice. <laughs> is that- people, like, literally, people will say, oh, I'm on the low, that's why I can't have an erection. It's like, that's not true, dude. You, you're having an erection. Do you wake up in the morning with an erection once in a while? And if they say yes, it's like, it's not your low testosterone. Your, your body is working just fine. You just, um, I just watching too so much porn. Very funny. <laughs> yeah. Very funny story. I, uh, I thought I had this problem. I, okay. thought I had this problem. So I was like, okay, I got to test for everything. I tested for thyroid issues, diabetes. Wait, you're talking about low um, testosterone? Or uh, no, erectile? I thought I had erectile dysfunction okay, at one yeah. point. Uh, this was like six years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on. So I tested for low thyroid. I tested for diabetes. I asked my doctor to test for testosterone and 
all of these different things. And because um, I was like, you know, I was dating this girl and I just can't see. I don't know what's going <laughs> Turns on. Turns out you hate her. And, <laughs> and she's like, well, maybe you're just not attracted to her. Yeah. I'm like, that can't be right. We are so. And then and then um, this was it was a short term thing. It was while I was in L.A. And then I came yeah. back to Ohio and I started dating another girl and I, and I had none of those issues. Yeah. <laughs> So it really, yeah. I was like, holy shit, I really just wasn't physically attracted to this woman. That is terrible. This is terrible. What, what the hell is wrong nice lady. with me? <laughs> she, and she was, she's a super hype. I mean, I'm really attracted to like independent, like really independent, high-powered women. Like she's, she was yeah. a district attorney. Oh. Um, and that whole kid, I was like, damn, that's, that's really hot. And wow, I... I don't know what happened, but uh, yes. So low so testosterone. Mine was stimulated by her a success yes. and achievement. Exactly. Wow. But the problem is, is low testosterone has been blamed a lot of older men, and and now there's these testosterone clinics where you can make oodles of money because yeah, um, it's one of those things where men are willing to just pay out of pocket to get. Yeah, I have to stop myself shots. from going. <laughs> I haven't gone yet. Please don't. It's not. It's just not worth it. I mean, there's a billboard up that says it's great. Yeah, I know. But okay. there's a billboard up that that says Trump is great. <laughs> The, uh, but you also have to, I bet he has 12 erections. No. <laughs> was it that one Ted talk that you watch where the, the, oh, testos- the doctor, yeah. Yeah. Where he, he said his life got better because with, with his low testosterone, he, he just wasn't motivated to do things in life. So, so when you actually have physiologically low testosterone, that's a different story. In that case, that there's a clear indication for taking testosterone. But what we're saying is low normal testosterone. And second of all, there's there's bound testosterone. There's free testosterone. Free testosterone is the actual active hormone, meaning that's the one that can actually pass through the cells and actually do its job. Mm. So which which one was low? Do you know if it was just like total testosterone was low or was I'm not a low doctor. normal? <laughs> and this is where you gotta look. And this is and this is why it's important to just just find those things out. Because yes, if you do have low testosterone, like actually low physiologically low testosterone, it is associated with a lot of problems. But if it's not physiologically low, then 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 I think trying to treat it is just you're just treating something that's not really a problem. Could I be? What does it affect? Uh, one's energetic. It does. Okay. It, uh, low, low testosterone will affect energy. It'll make. Um, so I feel like I'm also and, a low energy of normal people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Compared to Emmett to me, like when I see that he's less willing to do certain projects or just certain anything, uh, it, I feel like I'm more willing to, I mean, start a podcast or do these things where I feel like Emmett would be more, less I'm motivated very, to I'm do I'm very so. strategic. I think, I think there's, there's, there's that, that's not necessarily abnormal because me and, uh, so me and a friend of mine actually, t- uh, we teased the idea of doing a podcast ourselves because we wanted to, we were these fellow, we were doing the liver disease specialty and we wanted to develop a liver disease specific podcast. And we had all these cool ideas, but then when the we idea were geeking came out on livers, yeah, I mean, we were like, all right, this is cool. We can, I mean, cause the, the general medical podcasts are so dry. They're so boring. Uh, it's yeah. like, you know, nobody wants to listen to these things. So we're like trying to figure out like how, how can we do something that's interesting and that we can actually get things going. But uh, so we had all these cool ideas, but then when it came to procurement of supplies, of actually getting started of sitting down and doing this, we yeah. kept talking about it, but we never got it done. Yeah. And so if you say low energy in that um, you can't seem to go work out like you normally do, that's one thing. But low energy in that uh, you don't see, you don't, you're not willing to spend the time and energy to do something that you uh, you wouldn't otherwise do. Like this is actually more of a commitment than, I mean, that's, well, that's I think, normal. I think Lim has a skewed uh, view of my <laughs> <laughs> motivations in life. Uh, I can tell you who goes to the gym more. <laughs> I spent a lot more time. In the so, gym. so there you go. So that, so that I would say is that, yeah, that's just a motivational thing, unfortunately, rather than a little testosterone thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
If I can get to the gym, that means I'm I mean, if you get to the gym regularly, you know, I once had a patient. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. So she's uh, she's a lady with some with a form of liver disease that uh, generally causes fatigue. And when I say fatigue, I mean like these people like getting up and doing some household chores, and they'll sleep the rest of the day. This is really bad. Mm. And this lady, uh, she had the disease, so she was, and we were treating her, and her liver numbers look good, and we're like, okay, so how's it? And she's like, oh yeah, my fatigue. Um, you know, my fatigue has gotten so much better. I'm like, great. Uh, like what were you doing? Oh, I went to hike Mount Rainier the other day and I did that, you know, when I did that a year ago, I could barely do it, but now I'm fine. I'm like, what the fuck? You hiked Mount Rainier and you're saying you were fatigued at that time? Like, come on, lady. Come on. What's wrong with you? So, you know, everyone's got their own different level of these things. You're not supposed to feel like a million bucks when you climb a mountain? (laughs) No. (laughs) But apparently this woman did now, now that her disease was under control. I I mean, oh my gosh, the the gamut of like people's symptoms, it it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it's just like, uh, I feel like for me, I feel like I wake up with a certain amount of gas in the tank mm -hmm. and I gotta be careful about how I use it. That's, that's reasonable. Okay. I think everyone's got that. Uh, I mean, like my, my mentor in liberty is actually, I'm going to his talk, uh, um, later today. He has the energy of 10 men. Um, he, he is uh, the head of transplant at UCLA. He is, um, he has four kids, Mm. uh, three daughters and one son. He, when I was, uh, when I was doing research with him back in like 2013, um, he was taking care of all their allowances. He would find time to go on uh, family vacations with them. He would run three, four miles a day every day wow, yeah. or swim. Um, he also does talks for a living. I mean, he's, he's actually probably the best speak, one of the best speakers I've ever met. Mm. Um, and he will do these talks across the country and then come back uh, and go back to work in his clinic and still do all of these things. I mean, like he's here now and he probably went for a run before he even went to his wow, yeah. talk. He's, he's insane. He's, I've never met anybody with that, with that kind of energy. Yeah, so I, I see people like that that look like they wake up early and are just 100 miles an hour all day mm-hmm. until they go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so. that is not necessarily normal. That, that's some people yeah. just or, or that's their normal but that you know that's not everybody's normal. I that's definitely not my normal if I can complete yeah. if I can be productive productive for me means I did my laundry today mm. yeah that's that's amazing for me. now now tomorrow's uh, job is to actually fold the laundry <laughs> <laughs> um, jumping to my personal story does does um so um I'm I'm gonna ask like does the stomach just kind of slow down and, or your body slow down through age and like uh, stomach aches and whatnot happened more. So back when I was younger, I felt like my stomach was iron. Like I had no problems as I got into my <clears throat> probably twenties, maybe once every couple years, your twenties, that's still young. Uh, <laughs> like you just eat something and you would either you, diarrhea or when you're 18, you could eat like two pizzas and just yes. go play basketball. So then <laughs> in my early thirties, it started, I felt like it was like maybe once every few months. And then nowadays it's almost once every few weeks I'll eat something and it just doesn't sit well. Mm-hmm. Is that normal thing or am yeah, I, no, that's, that's partly normal now. Um, it doesn't ha- it doesn't happen that way to everybody. Um, I will say that for me too. I mean, I never got heartburn before, but now if I eat something really spicy, I will absolutely get heartburn uh, as opposed to before. In fact, um, I've noticed if I eat like really shitty, um, absolutely, <laughs> my, like I I had what just if I just had pizza on sriracha sauce and some all, all this other bullshit. It really it really does affect me much more than it did when I was when I was a lot younger. Um, 
I don't know if it, if I would say that that means digestion is slowing down or if it's just that your body is more prone to make mistakes in the actual movements. So as I said, um, acid reflux mm. is literally just the door is open a little bit longer than it should be. Or or actually, it's just much more, it's swiveling. So it'll close most of the time, but then it'll stay, it'll open up just a little bit and then close and open. It's it's transient relaxation of the lower esophageal sphincter. So transient meaning it just kind of randomly happens. And it's, it does, there is evidence to show that it does happen more as we age. So. Okay, so just some some people have it way easier than other yeah, people. Unfortunately, okay. I mean, there are some people that never have these symptoms ever. Yeah, I'm just um, I'm fearing that. I mean, if it's gone down to like you're weeks, looking at the trend. <laughs> if it, yeah, if it's gone down to weeks now, like when I turn fifty or sixty, holy shit! Just realize that we have great medication for this, and as long as you're willing to take it, then you probably won't have much trouble with that. Like hmm. again, Prilosec is a great. I mean, I would definitely if you have heartburn, just take it and once a day, half an hour before breakfast. That's that's all we recommend. Okay, cool. That's awesome. But don't miss doses. Prilosec, so, so Pepsid, you can take that. And if you miss a dose here and there, whatever. But protonics or these proton pump inhibitors, if you miss a dose, because this is active, this, what this medication does is it's actually at the level of the acid. It is blocking the release of acid. Mm. And your stomach will sense that. And so it will, and so especially when it's trying to digest, it will try to overcome that by producing hormones to produce more acid. And um, when this proton pump inhibitor is there, it's irreversibly bound to the acid pump, so it, it can't. Mm. But then if you um, sporadically take it, then your body's going to actually make, well, overcome that, and uh, now you're going to have rebound acid reflux. Mm. Mm. Wow. So if you're going to take that medication, you should take it every day. Awesome. Awesome information. <clears throat> Do, would you say you have uh, heartburn? Or are you talking about... No, actually not heartburn. Oh, I, I would say it's just... it. You get the shit sometimes? It's like a, I would say the shits, but it, 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 hmm. it doesn't sit well. It's like the stomach is like, feel more bloated or something. Bubble guts? Or is it indigestion? Like you just feel like a discomfort in your belly that's just there almost after eating lasts for a little while and then kind of goes away. Yeah. But the discomfort's enough. It's kind of like, it. it's, it's pretty lame to sit on the toilet and you're like, oh gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> like, so I would say like on a scale of pain of one to 10, uh, it's probably like a three or four. And how often does that occur? Once a month, once every other month. Yeah, I mean, it, unfortunately, it's it, it's not occurring often enough that we can point to a specific problem with that. It might actually be just whatever it is that you ate might be um, causing you trouble. We've been like my, my, my wife cooks at home a lot. And then we notice it happens way more often if we go out to eat. So, so it's, it's maybe something in the in the food is not agreeing with your stomach in particular. Yeah, and, uh, we the there there are ways to to figure that out. But again, like this is happening so rarely that I would not even stress about it that much. If it happens, like so, because um, it kind of sounds like something that we call irritable bowel syndrome, which is a, a fairly common s sort of thing. But um, I wouldn't even bring it up unless it's happening like once a week every week associated with like a change in bowel habits and stuff like that. So okay. there's a whole criteria for that, which right now I don't think you have to worry hmm. about. Gotcha. You can keep a food diary when it happens and yeah. see if it's boba. If or it something. gets, yeah. If it, well, if it, if it starts to occur every week, then it probably be time to do the food diary and start tracking that. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Like you, like, like once every two months and it, it seems random. I mean, I might go four months without it and then. Right. So that, so, so that makes it sound like it's specific to whatever it is that you ate. 
uh, something in the food is not agreeing with you or something like that. Gotcha. Have you ever had a patient that was attracted to you and put the moves on you because you're Dr. Vig? No, thank really? the Lord. Uh, that oh, you would wouldn't be like so, that? No, no, you can't do that. That's that's a huge no-no. Oh, what if she's hot? It's still a huge no-no. Well, I mean... Luckily she, for me, most... She's like, hey, I might happen to be at Applebee's later. <sighs> and if we run into each other there, then it's not a doctor-patient thing, right? No, well... Uh, it, the problem is, is that uh, it's just so iffy. There's just no way to <laughs> okay. to get out of that. Um, there's there's like a rule that if someone's been your patient, I don't know if this is actually a real Forever. legal rule, but apparently you have to wait like two years or something before you can like a uh, cooling off period. Yeah, where you, I mean, there's a there's a whole power dynamic that apparently is there. The the I guess the reason why I generally don't see patients that are that young. I'm not in psychiatry, so I don't see these like 20 year olds. Usually, my patients are in the age ranges of 40 to. Uh, 99. Okay. So in about uh, 15 or 20 years, your opinion may change. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't think firefighters have a two-year rule. Ah, that's, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> but saving someone's life, mm, I, uh, I don't know, revert, uh, some, some form of Stockholm syndrome there or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, studly firefighter. <laughs> it's a very masculine job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are there any, are there women firefighters? That, yeah, I think they just can't carry bodies up and down ladders as easily. To mm-hmm. so like, but but like you know, I mean, when you're fighting fires in the forest, right? Because most firefighters, uh, especially in like California, I'm guessing they're they're being used more to fight these. No, I think it's a different. Uh, it's a different gang. That's a different gang. Yeah, these like these these smoke jumpers and these are guys. That, you know what it is? Is guys that want to be firefighters and aren't yet because it's like so many people want to be firefighters. You gotta. It's competitive. You got to wait a long time, even if you do uh-huh. everything right. So there's guys that aspire to be firefighters, and they're like, "While I'm waiting, I'll go fight this forest fire, and then that'll give me some street cred." Hmm. Well, as far know. as I understand, yeah, I, I don't know anything about firefighters at all. But I think once you're in the neighborhood station, I think you're like making pancakes hmm. four days a week, and then you get two weeks off or something crazy like that. Just two weeks? Then you go shoot a calendar. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck they do. Yeah, sounds like a cool gig once in a while. Yeah, but, uh, I know some guys that uh, have gone through the academy and stuff. Actually, none of them have made it in. Yeah, that's how competitive and wow. Uh, one one dude got injured in the like the boot camp or whatever. Wow, like he herniated a, a disc, which which oh. washed him out. But it fucking sucked because he was that close to becoming a firefighter, and then and then he herniated a disc. Yeah, and that's that's just pain. That sucks. How long was your uh, schooling for uh, being coming a GI doctor? So um, <laughs> it's <an> online class. <laughs> <laughs> so med school is four years. Uh, residency for to do GI, you have to do a three-year residency, and then an internal medicine. So that's just general medicine stuff. And then after that, it's a three-year GI fellowship. Um, but prior to the, the GI is actually the most competitive fellowship in internal medicine. Mm. Um, so to do GI, uh, I didn't get in right away. So I did do a two year fellowship in liver disease. So after that I did the, I'm doing the GI. So, so far this is my last year. So this will be year number eight, uh, year number eight after resident, after med school. But if you what? include med school and college, then that's now another, that's, uh, I was going to say, don't you have to do a lot of 14 years to get to med school? Yeah. Four years of college, four years of med school, three years of residency, two years of a liver disease, and then three years of a GI fellowship. And then I'm done. Do you have a better than average memory? Probably. Okay. Seems like it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of biology is memorization. Right. It's memorizing different mechanisms of different things. So, um, just remembering how stuff works is such a complicated. Mm-hmm. 
amalgam of things. Yeah, and you know what's what I say about. I mean, it's just I guess this is the way I think about things. Like for me personally, like understanding the physiology, the very the bottom stuff, like how the cell fits into this particular organ, mm-hmm. makes a lot more sense, and I can usually extrapolate that up to sort of uh, the the bigger stuff that, and how they can cause disease and things like that. So that stuff I remember a lot better than say like irritable bowel syndrome. I was telling you about that. That's just remember this criteria. That's how you diagnose irritable bowel, and there's, these are the drugs that you can use for it. I mean, that's just a lot yeah. harder for me to remember because it's it's not like the the physiological basis for irritable bowel isn't well mm-hmm. understood just yet. Yeah, uh, we have some ideas of different things of different reasons for why it occurs, but it's not a hundred percent. So trying to remember that is much harder than say trying to remember why the pancreas gets inflamed or why the stomach does what it does. I think you said earlier uh, in response to something. I don't understand a mechanism or how that would work. And I think that ties into having that cellular understanding. Like when somebody comes in and says, hey, I'm eating a bottle of St. John's wort every day. Mm-hmm. And then you go, well, there's no logical path for how that would affect the things that you're thinking it affects. Exactly. And that's why I saw, and that's another reason why we don't like supplements is because if you, if, if it was a supplement that actually did what it said it did, we would use it as a drug because now you're not calling it because someone would have done a trial to say that this works in this particular way and therefore we use it for this purpose. Yeah. Um, even if we don't understand the underlying mechanism of why it does what it does, we still use it for, uh, we would still actually, someone would package it as a drug rather than as a, mm. as a supplement. Because we, we tested it on 100,000 people. Exactly. And it's pretty pretty reliably. Exactly. That's okay. and, and that's the difference between, I mean, evi- that's what we call evidence-based medicine, right? It's, it's if, if you studied it and it's proven to be what you've said it is, then, then that's it. Is the, um, what's the one that I take for my uh, ankle and knees? The um, conjoint, conjoint. Mm -hmm. What's, um, what's your thought? How does that work? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's a musculoskeletal thing. Okay. 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 You're below the belt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure about how that works. Or the, uh, residency, um, uh, for somebody, I have no idea. So you, uh, who's in the fellowship now? well, tell me about the residency and then the fellowship. And so, then, so just, um, I guess for me, like I, I know nothing. Like, are you going to school every day? Or are you in a hospital helping people or what? So the- med school is when you're going to school, you do. Well, so the first two years of med school is just learning the theory of medicine. So you you basically get through. I, I did my major in, bio, in uh, Davis, UC Davis, where I went to college, was uh, molecular and cellular biology. Um, they covered my entire major in med school in about four hours. Um, so they throw with you so much information that you just need to memorize and remember there's biochemistry, anatomy, uh, physiology, microbiology, pharmacology, um, and all of these different things. And you've got to take tests and tests to try to just understand some, some of the underlying theory of, of how the human body works. Like what does a mitochondria do? Right. Okay. And what are the different processes that are done in the mitochondria? What are the enzymes in the mitochondria that do these things? Uh, they try to teach you all of that. I, I think the way our medical education system works is... Um, not necessarily always the best because um, you remember all this stuff for the test, but the vast majority of it, you're, you're not going to remember it in real life, unfortunately, because right. right. it's just too much stuff. Um, maybe people back 50 years ago when you didn't have anywhere near as much stuff to remember, maybe then it was easier, but now that it's just so subspecialized. Like even in GI, you can subspecialize in very particular areas. Like I said, liver disease, there's uh, something with just esophageal motility. Mm. Um, there's people that specialize in just the pancreas. Like they have enough patients now that they can just deal with the pancreas and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, which again, we weren't able to do 40, 50 years ago. 
People just died more back then, right? <laughs> yeah, people did die more of a lot of different diseases. Um, although the life expectancy in the U.S. went down uh, recently. It was like 73, and I think it's now 72. Because of obesity? Um, I don't remember exactly why. I think NPR, NPR actually did an article about that. I was a little bit sad. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so residency. Uh, so in med school, you do those first two years of theory. Then the next two years, you're doing rotations in these different fields. So you choose internal medicine, emergency medicine, family medicine, where you're in clinic and just dealing with primary care patients. You do that in internal medicine too, but family medicine is a bit more specialized for that. Or OBGYN or pediatrics or different forms of surgery. So you literally just go work in hospitals and stuff as in, a doctor, right? Uh, well, you're a student. So you're not yeah. actually, so you have no liability, nor are your, are, are any of your documentation. Uh, while it could be in the, legal, in the chart, it's not nearly as important. Gotcha. So um, you are not being super, you're, you're a baby at this point. Mm. Med students are just babies. They, they have no real role other than to learn. Okay. Um, because they have to go through all these different specialties. Once you finish med school, um, then you apply for residency. And residency is where you choose one of those fields that you just rotated in mm -hmm. and decide which one you'd like to do. Um, I initially wanted to do ER medicine and um, it was just more, it just didn't work out. So I ended up doing internal many, medicine. Too many motorcycle accidents. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, ER, ER is tough. So um, I did internal medicine. And in internal medicine, you just kind of get uh, internal medicine is more is adult medicine, so eighteen and up. Okay. Uh, and you do all of the different fields in, in adult medicine. You deal with people just in general, like with various complaints, or and then you rotate through some of those subspecialties: cardiology, kidney problems, pulmonary issues, um, uh, GI issues, and all those things. And um, if any one of those fields attract you. Then after you finish residency, once you become board eligible, meaning you can sit for the internal medicine board uh, certification, then you can apply for the GI fellowship or cardiology fellowship or whatever and uh, do that. And then, so now you're specialized in the, now you finish the internal medicine and you do the subspecialty in that and then you're done for most people. You, you just described uh, Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> the TV show that's been running that for- show. What? What's that? I hate that show. <laughs> Why? They're all sleeping around with each other. That's you know. I you know when did I did not realize the hospital. Well, actually, the hospital is a big high school, but but <laughs> with a lot less sex going around. No sex so, and no weed. <laughs> I forgot who told me. Um, gosh, someone told me. I think it was a. I think it was a, a friend that was. Man, I don't even remember. I think it was a friend that was was a nurse at a hospital, and then they were saying that the head doctor was getting to sleep with all the nurses. All the female nurses were all. Google Gaga for this this doctor and I, I, my reaction is like man that must be nice but so it's not that there's always going to be some amount of drama and there's always going to be one or two people that um, are sleeping around with all the different nurses or other doctors or or what have you the the therapists or the techs or the whatever um, but that's not going to be the vast majority of people and nor are they going to be sleeping around in the random there's not they're not going to be going to the closet over there and then having sex and then coming out normally and then going to another closet and having sex wait there's not like, a room on. with bunk beds in it there are rooms with bunk beds but oh. dude everybody uses that room do you really I mean like if yeah. I would be really mad if someone was having sex in that room and I'd have to sleep in that room afterwards like that's gross <laughs> at least change the fucking sheets if you change the sheets then I'll give, you, I'll give you a pass but how am I supposed to know if you change the sheets after that they need a black light in there then so that everybody's like I all right, this bed has been used and I will take the other bed. <laughs> so gotcha. because of that, you, no, people aren't usually, I mean, you'll still have people that sleep in the car. It's, it's, it still happens, I'm sure. But So um, if I could open a high-priced motel next to a hospital, I mean, be in good I, shape. When I did, uh, so I did do, I did practice as what they call a hospitalist, meaning yeah. 
Um, I was a, I just did practice general medicine in the hospital. So if anybody was admitted to the hospital, I would be the primary doctor that's taking care of everything in that case. Um, and I was doing that as a traveler. So mm. I would go out, have the hotel right next to the hospital, and uh, yeah. So oh, so you could thing. bang all the nurses you wanted. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I could take them back to my hotel room. <laughs> On those dirty sheets. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> But someone cleans them, so it's all right. Uh, fresh ones. <laughs> this would be probably a silly question. If you, oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going off topic. If you okay. met, if you were at a bar and you met an infectious disease doctor, what conversations do you, do you think you would ask that person? Or So, um, aren't you wearing your so mask? I'm, I'm, my train of thought is like when two doctors meet. Like if I was a software engineer, I met another software engineer. Of course, there'd be nerdy talk, but. So, I mean, I mean, we'll definitely talk shop. Um, usually what ends up happening is we always talk about a lot of stupid, funny cases that we have. That, that tends to always be the one that uh, breaks the ice is we'll have the stupid cases. Um, usually if I was going to ask a, a, an ID physician a specific ID question, I'd be like, oh, what are the like sort of oddball infections that you see more commonly in this particular area? Um, that would probably be the one and only one because um, different parts of the country have different uh, infections that are more common. Because um, ah, so, we don't have mosquitoes here. Yeah, you don't have mosquitoes here. We don't have ticks here. So Lyme disease is uh, is something that can happen. If you ever hear someone say they have chronic Lyme disease, I don't think that's a thing. So chronic Lyme disease. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. They just keep hanging out in by the deers, and they they get more. No, 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 no. <laughs> they they say what they say is that the the bacteria that caused Lyme disease, even though you've killed it, it has caused some form of some chronic autoimmune condition or some some bullshit that that's actually bullshit it's not true there is uh, no chronic Lyme disease okay oh okay but there's some people that believe in that gotcha just like ivermectin is the best drug for uh, for covid so so you have a lot of crazies out there i think that's a general condition that we've got too many people on earth like there's there's what 300 something 350 million people in the u.s yeah right so how can you ever have not some fraction of crackpots or stupid people or you know, people that are misled or people that always, yeah, there's always it's impossible for everybody to be always, always. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, you know, I, I was thinking about one of the questions you had is like, you know, what is one of the biggest problems that you see? In, um, but you uh, can't ask, you can't answer it yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Answer it. If no, you want. It's, it's funny. The Stupid I, people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, we should not. Oh, there's literally people that think we shouldn't allow them to reproduce. I, yeah, not one of those, but um, the the thing I, I I mean everyone says now like the thing that's always all over the news is misinformation, misinformation, misinformation. But I, I don't necessarily think it's just it's misinformation because as you said, propaganda and misleading people has been a thing since I think since the evolution of mankind. Yeah. Um, we we've always done that, so we're always going to do that in the future. So mm -hmm. um, just because it's gotten to a point where you can reach Joe Schmo in the middle of nowhere, which you couldn't do before, doesn't change the fact that that this is a principle that's been done so, since the uh, start the of the same time. activity yeah it's the same okay. activity propaganda is propaganda however you want to play it so i think one of my uh the thing i was thinking about about this is is i think pride is to is the main issue because if you can if you can convince convincing someone that they're wrong usually involves um people's ego and mm -hmm. and if you have people's ego involved then nobody and people are much less willing to admit they're wrong and i never understood yeah. that because um, yeah. one of my favorite, one of the easiest things to do is I've just realized that like, you know, it's easy to 
um, just apologize for making a mistake. And be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that that was happening. And then and then move on from there. Because people are much more willing to be like, all right, fine, and right. and do whatever. Because it's like you know, um, like for most recently, the uh, they they they've been saying recently like. Uh, our president Biden's approval ratings have been going like crazy because of his execution of the withdrawal from Afghanistan of the COVID and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah. Um, one of the things that I remember them talking about is like, um, oh, it's because he can't, he just can't say sorry for making a mistake. Ah. I'm like, why? Why is it so hard to say sorry that you made a mistake? All right. Yeah. I mean, because you, you hear Biden's interviews about his whole withdrawal from Afghanistan, and it was always just about, you know, we're ending a 20-year war that was just sucking up resources and was not going anywhere. And that's all true. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can say, look, I honestly did not expect them to fold so fast. And so we did not plan or prepare for this kind of an evacuation. Yeah. And that's our bad. We we. Perhaps, I mean, in hindsight being 2020, it would have been better if we prepared a little bit differently. But we didn't right. because we did not expect this to happen. And then move on from there. Like, then what are people going to say? They're like, well, you're an idiot. Well, all right, you've accepted your mistake. Well, no, well, so in the propaganda game, right, that's probably the highest stakes position for mm-hmm. propaganda. Mm-hmm. So intelligent people will accept that apology, but his enemies, the Republicans, will, will skewer him every which way, right? And and he's getting skewered every which way now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just think, and it's not just Biden. It's 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 nobody's willing. No world leader is really willing to say, "Oh, I made a mistake. I'm yeah. sorry. Let's move on from here." Um, because yeah, as you said, people uh, will have a field day on that. But uh, it goes down to even the smallest individual now. Like you can't convince anybody that they're wrong. And and I know I've gotten into heated. Me and my brother, we love to argue all the time, actually. Yeah. Um, and we get into heated arguments all the time. And one of the reasons why we still argue is because usually we can admit when someone is wrong mm. um, or just say agree to disagree. But I think the problem here is, is now, now agree to disagree has become a thing where it's like ivermectin sucks. You say, well, ivermectin is good. Let's just agree to disagree on that. It's like that. Yeah. God damn it! That's not that's not the way this works. <laughs> that's well, not yeah, a virus. it's not a thing. Well, no, I would I would hold to yes, there are facts, mm-hmm. right? However hard they might be to find, in the end, there are facts, right? Somewhere, like there's there's facts we can point to that are irrefutable, and then from facts you can have logic and reason, right? So if if I'm on that foundation, then I won't. I, I have to draw the line at crazy, right? I had, well, I won't tell that story. <laughs> I have to draw the line at crazy because you know the reason the the time you go beyond that, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna budge. Right. I could be wrong, and I'll apologize. Right. Um, I think the hard thing is people who aren't smart can't identify when other people are smarter than them. Mm. Like I can I can see you're you're smarter than me in a lot of ways. Right. If we if we went and took a chemistry test right now, Vic's gonna whoop my ass. But me versus the general population. I'll probably do pretty well, right? So then there's a relative understanding of chemistry. Yeah. Then, you, then you can go down the line to everything, right? Right. Like you want to do a test on internal combustion in engines? There's there's guys out fail. there. <laughs> yeah, but there's guys out there that are going to be awesome at that. Right. But I think I suck at everything else. Right. 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 So I think there's an accumulated intelligence and knowledge that, that one could say, look, you know, are you the smartest guy in the room? Probably not. Like, Relax. Right, don't, right. Bottom line is that. Yeah, don't walk around thinking you're right and trying to tell everybody else what's going on. Exactly. And and that's, I think, that was that was my answer to that question. I think pride in, uh, has seeped into everything, and now no one can admit anything um, other than their point of view. And that that makes misinformation just that much harder to fight more than anything else, I think. Mm. And the other thing was is just teaching people critical thinking. Like, my God, 
when did we start when did uh oan or breitbart become the uh, become the biased or, or the unbiased news source for the right like that that wasn't a thing before and mm. uh so on and so forth so uh, that stuff was crazy to me i can't even think of the name of the other one i was uh q that's what oh my gosh nah, I, I, that was way too no long idea. a pregnant pause for uh, q <laughs> are we wrapping up uh, we could start down the final questions and I wanted so, to ask him a thousand questions about India. I thought you wanted to ask something about appendixes. Appendices. I'm pissed oh, off yeah. about appendices. What about it? I mean, it seems like people will have randomly rupturing appendixes mm-hmm. even later in life, right? You could be a 40-year-old dude and your yeah. appendix ruptures. Yeah. What is this uh, faulty time bomb of an organ? Oh, it was a lymph. It was an uh, lymph organ. It was. The, it is a vestigial organ now. Its its purpose is really there, there's not much for so it. So we do. don't need them. No, we don't. They, they have no benefit. Not really. No. But they're a ticking time bomb of hazard. They can be a tipping ticking time bomb of hazard. Yes. Okay. So um, would I recommend you prophylactically remove your appendix? No. Okay. Because again, that's a surgery. Why would you want someone to cut into you unless they need to? For the less intelligent viewers, the prophylactically means not condom, but. Before you have any problems, like yes, pre- prevent a problem preemptively. Yeah, yeah to be proactive. So, okay. like you know, like uh, Angelina Jolie got a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. She got she got rid of both her boobs because she tested positive for one of those genes that puts her at higher risk for breast cancer. Oh yeah, so, so. she voluntarily unboobed. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then I'm, I'm sure she got some fake boobs for that. <laughs> um, Are her lips real? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I was never uh, enamored with that look. I, I don't know why a lot of people are with that. And, and now, people, have you guys ever gone to Reddit Instagram reality? <laughs> no, oh, but now I will. Coolest <laughs> subreddits I've ever been on because it's just insane how much people will try to uh, uh, change their appearance to seem what they think is normal. And it's like you'll have a woman that has a waist that's literally this big. Yeah. And they think that that's normal. Or or they'll have like a, a complete duck face. And then you look at them in real person. You're like, yo, well, this is not you. Why? Is it because they're looking at Instagram more hours a day than the reality around them? Probably. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's got to be some of it. Is is I mean, I'm, there's some of them that make money. I hate the term influencers too. I think that's a terrible term. What would um, be a better term? I, I honestly can't think of one. Okay. But influencer, it just... It, <laughs> can't say social media star why not that sounds that at least sounds to me a little bit better than some more words yeah. <laughs> i just like content creator because that's just what they're that doing. makes so much more sense to me and that i don't mind calling them that but um at the end of the day uh well you could create content and have zero impact on people <laughs> yeah, but still you're still you can call yourself a content creator okay. no no i'm saying you're not an influencer until people start following you right Ugh, and start doing what you do but but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it also can harks back to when I was first called a millennial. I'm like, I hate that term. Yeah. Don't call me millennial. But now I'm like, I right, whatever. I guess I'm a millennial. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe, I'll get, maybe I'll get used to it in a little bit. At least you're not a boomer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe throw a, a couple of your uh, questions about India real quick and then we'll see. Oh, no, I was kidding. We can do another different podcast. Well, I, I think if you throw out a couple, then depending on what you know of Vig's past with India, whether culturally or his knowledge, maybe it would. I don't know. He just said that uh, South Indian movie stars are pretty awesome fighters and North Indian stars. Oh, are. this was so. So again, this is <laughs> through the eyes of a six year old child. Um, I, I, I was born in India. Um, I grew up there until I was six and then I moved to the U.S. And yeah. um, all I remember from India is that 
my mom would tell me is that I loved watching fighting movies. Yeah. And so I would only watch um, South Indian movies at the time because most North Indian movies that were very popular were usually the ones that did not have fighting. It was more romance than anything else. Dancing. Uh, romance and dancing. And yeah. South Indian movies had a lot of uh, romance and dancing, but there's also a lot of fighting. A yeah. lot of like one dude taking on a hundred. <laughs> and, um, it it, and it's over the top violence, that, which now when I try to watch those same movies, now I just laugh. It cracks me up so much. Yeah. Like my parent, my, my dad tried to have me watch this movie, which I mean, so the guy is, I don't know exactly what's going on, but then the guy gets in this situation where he's a hostage and he's tied to a chair uh, with an oxygen tank below the chair. No idea why there's an oxygen tank below the chair. But um, so the, the, the villain is questioning him and being like, all right, what's going on? Blah, 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 blah. And the, and the guy in the chair is like, I'm totally fine. I, I will kick your ass at the end of the day. Blah, blah, blah. They're having some weird <laughs> no, the, ass conversation. The oxygen was to hint at dental torture. <laughs> so what ends up happening? <laughs> what, right, and then what he ends up doing is he ends up flipping his chair over while tied down, uh, knocks off the valve off the oxygen tank. Yeah. That oxygen tank now flies back into a, a waiting three trucks behind him yeah. and blows up all three trucks with all the henchmen conveniently in the trucks. Oh, and yeah. now he's only got to fight the immediate dude and his chair also conveniently breaks and he gets out of his um, uh, the rope that's tying him and now he's using it as a whip to go yeah. kill, uh, hit these people. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I think what is this? But that's no different than the 80s action movies like Rambo like, oh, yeah. would go wipe out an army. Interestingly, I, I actually watched a documentary on Rambo. The yeah. original, the very first Rambo was, was apparently a very uh, totally different. It was actually more about a dude who grew up in the Vietnam War, uh, who went to the Vietnam War, came back and um, was dealing with the ghosts of his Vietnam War past yeah. that he couldn't get away from. And then um, you had these modern day, you had these cops that just took him as a delinquent because he was walking around everywhere and they kind of pushed him over the edge. That was the movie? That was the original movie. Then, uh, and, and actually in the original movie, he was supposed to commit suicide at the end, but yeah. that didn't test well with target with uh, test audiences. So they did not let uh, have that happen. And then they were able to make a whole franchise out of that. Wait, he didn't go kill an army of dudes? And, uh... He did. He did kill an army of dudes. Oh, okay. but, but he killed this army of dudes. Uh, the reason he killed those folks was he actually was straight up was like trying to tell them like, look, um, I mean, because they took him to jail. They didn't. They, <laughs> yes. they kind of really triggered his PTSD uh, from yeah. his time in Vietnam. And um, and it led to what it what happened. Gotcha. And um, and again, like he was like, you guys sent me to fight there. You guys, you guys aren't willing to like um, even support me one now that I'm back here. He's like, I never left the war, and it was it was actually much much more interesting. It's movie. a deeper story than America gives way, it credit for. <laughs> way deeper than people give it credit for. Um, I watched like three or four documentaries. On it. it was really cool. It was actually really cool. Um, and and Stallone was actually a much cooler actor than I thought after watching that. I was like, okay. Damn, this guy did a really good job. In this. <laughs> he looks like PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll ask you one India question. Okay. Uh, the future of India. Uh, I forget who it was. Some economist or somebody, some venture capitalist or somebody said, um, the world's not really paying attention to India right now, but India's catching up quick. They've got a nationwide digital payment app. They're, they're spooling up and they're catching up in the modern, modern world. And they're going to be a billion people. Um, that's good for the West because China's kind of anti-West and there's a billion of them. Mm -hmm. But if we get a billion Indians, they're a lot closer aligned with the West than other nations. Is that, what, how does that, what is that? So um, my that? personal opinion on this, um, and, and keep in mind, this is again, this is just my opinion on sure, this. Sure, yeah. 
um, is is a um, there have been talks about that, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the Indian population, on average, is younger, mm-hmm. and they are much more tech savvy, um, and they are getting more literate. Um, in, in fact, I just saw <laughs> there was again public freakout, Reddit public freakout <laughs> of a beggar going to a car and asking like, "Hey, can you um, just can you give me some money? Can you give me some money?" And they're like, "I don't have any cash. I only have a credit card." He's like, "Don't worry, whips out a credit card reader <laughs> to, to get money from yes. these people." Like, what the fuck? <laughs> just scan here. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, technologically they're going crazy, and um, uh, I, I do think that uh, because because they're much more democratic in that sense, that that it is a good good thing for the West as a counterweight to China to be in that same area, and I think it is in the interest of of the West to support India, especially if they are going to go toe to toe with China. And right now they're having a border dispute with China. Yeah, um, and I think a few few soldiers died just recently about that. Mm. Um, they're trying to de-escalate that situation, but uh, um, there's there's a long way to go for India to get that modern. Because while some of the cities in India are just as, I mean, I, and I never expected this. So I went to India in 2014, and prior to 2014, I hadn't been to India in 90 in since 1998, so yeah. 16 years. So I had not seen India, uh, and my um, when I went in 98, I really just didn't ex- didn't like my time. I was 13. Yeah. Um, there was days where I just, I mean, like every day for like an hour after seven o'clock, the electricity would be turned off, and it's like a fucking 50 degrees <laughs> Celsius for like 120 degrees outside, and yeah, and you just hate your life for yeah. a bit. Um, and a lot of the modern conveniences just weren't there. But then in 2014, it was totally different. Um, yeah. Mobile hotspots were normal. Um, much more developed roads, uh, subway systems. Uh, I got drunk off my ass in Hyderabad, and I never thought that was going to happen. Hyderabad. Um, so, <laughs> funny story. We had just collect. Me and my brother were there, and we'd accumulated something like a hundred thousand rupees each, or so. I don't remember exactly how much money. Um, like and from locals, or how do you? Uh, from uh, from uh, relatives. <laughs> okay. Yeah, from locals, we we extorted them for medicine. <laughs> um, but no, we we were just That's our a family. Was, right here for you, right? Um, the so our parent, our family, because I have a huge family in India, and they were just giving us cash here, left uh, and right, and we're like, oh, you know, well, let's go out to the Hard Rock in Hyderabad. Yeah. And we we didn't, and I was like, oh, it's India, booze isn't going to be that much. Uh, we spent all the money that we accumulated, something like almost close to six, seven hundred dollars um, in one night. Well, but the Hard Rock is probably the American expensive oh, yeah. place. It, it was, it was the American okay. expensive, but I was not expecting to spend. Uh, I did not expect it to be that much at all. I, yeah. I mean, like my assumption in, of India back in 2014 was, I, I mean, I just, mm. I was blown away by by the progress in India, and also mangoes, <laughs> mangoes. I did not know this, but the taste of mango, the, like there, there are different species of mangoes. And, and again, I didn't oh. know that. Just like I didn't know there are different species of rice. Um, yeah. But uh, the mango, so when I went in 2014 and I had a mango for the first time in India, I mean, it was like a blast from the past. Like I just, I never had that taste in a long time. And it was, yeah. really, it was great. Um, but yeah, so from a technological perspective, they are absolutely, I'm sure they're catching up. I think the Indian space agency is actually world renowned for like being a very, um, getting shit into orbit. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so they're getting there. I mean, there's still a lot of places that, um, don't have access to regular power. Um, Mm. or like my, uh, dad's cousin, uh, their parents live in this really, really small, uh, town that has, that's just like straw as straw thatch. Mm-hmm. And like mud covered walls, 
and they have a flat screen TV in there somehow. I don't yeah. know how that so works. You can watch but, those wow. movies, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood. Right? Yeah, it, just, it, it, it made no sense. I'm like, wait, you, you look from the outside. It's just straw, mud and straw. On the inside, there's a flat screen TV and, and yeah. normal walls. Okay. Is it an Indian brand television? I, I have no idea. I don't remember. I just remember laughing yeah. my ass off that there was a TV in there. Yeah. I'd be curious. Cause, well, because in the U.S., we don't buy American brand TVs, right? We're right. buying Samsungs and LGs and no, I'm pretty sure Sonys. And, yeah. I'm so I'm pretty sure it's still LG and Sony and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and and, and there's still some culturally uh, uh, um, some places that I guess are a little bit more traditional in their culture in the way they do their culture. I mean, I well again, said. I just saw I just saw another video of a of a woman that apparently was talking to another man, um, and her brothers beat the shit out of her for it, oh. just from talking to another man. I mean, like that's that's ridiculous. And then and then there's another video of like well, it depends on what she was saying, right? <laughs> Right, I guess. <laughs> and like, then there was another, my Instagram. <laughs> there was another video of a dude who's a, it's just a white guy uh, yeah. who's fixing a train, yeah. and like there's just like 20, 20, guys, 20 other Indian dudes that are just like filming the guy, the fact that there's a white guy, yeah, on the train. I mean, it's no, they were capturing that how to fix the train thing, <laughs> or or that they were just. And, and the thing is, in India, the, the people just be sitting there staring at you, and, and and they'll think that that's okay. They won't they won't say anything. They'll, they'll oh. just be staring. Yeah, it's a like, cultural this is, difference. It's a little right? awkward that, that someone is just staring right at me, but but they do that normally. Uh, yeah. I, I guess at least in these videos they were. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, this isn't going to be like the vast majority of the population. This is small pockets of people that that are a little abnormal. Yeah. Um. So it, so it's a rapidly advancing country with but it is huge definitely. potential. I think so. I think yeah. so. Um. Now would I move back to India? Uh. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, I would have, um, if I, if you had asked me in 98, I would have said, hell no. Yeah. If you asked me in 2014, I would have been 50, 50. And even now it's more like 50, 50 than I, than I was oh, before. Oh. Would, would it, uh, cause you'd be coming back now as an American doctor, right? Mm. Yeah. You would actually, uh, get a lot for that alone. It could be the key to the city. Yeah. I mean, uh, so actually one of my, uh, one of my good friends, his, he, uh, from residency, his uh, his friend uh, is going to come here just to do a fellowship and then go back to India because they have a hospital, they have everything, and just having that American trained doctor yeah. um, is a big enough is big enough that um, they, they'll get paid a little bit better for that. Nice. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry to have delayed the uh, interview. All right, final questions. First question: What great daily habit or habits do you have? Uh great daily habits. Well, right now I have a superpower. In that I can wake up uh, as long as I sleep by uh, midnight, no matter what, I will automatically wake up at like 6, 630. I don't need an alarm. I don't need anything. I just wake up at 6, 630. And it was a skill that I I think I started training this when I was in New York because the subway system is, um, unfortunately, even if you're going six miles going on the subway, you're going to take you an hour or something to go from Manhattan to Brooklyn and different places. So I would first start falling asleep. Um, and then miss my stop. But then I got so good enough that I could sleep light enough that I could hear the stop, but yeah. still be still be knocked out for the most part. You're subconsciously tracking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas when I was younger, I couldn't, I could never wake up. Like I would sleep at 10. I would still wake up at like 10 in the morning or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, then it got to, I can wake up to most pages. Like anytime someone is paging me any, anywhere, I, I will wake up and I'll listen to it because I had to when I was at work. And now it's wait, evolved. Wait, paging is like a literal pager or somebody speaking over I a loudspeaker? I literally had a pager. Okay, gotcha. Uh, nowadays, the, the the pagers are actually just apps on the phone. But um, when I was in residency, I, I had a physical pager. Okay, excellent. And uh, now, as I said, I just wake up 
I, I don't think about it. It's not a thing. I just, um, as long as I sleep by 10 or 11 o'clock, I will be up by 6.37. And you just start doing shit and getting productive? Yeah. And- yeah I mean, I, I'm not like sleepy and I'm like, oh, I got to go back to sleep. It's just I'll yeah. wake up and I can get up and go and move around my day. That's fantastic. Um, I don't know why. I'm just, I'm really, I'm very fortunate that I, <laughs> that I can do that. <laughs> like for the me working in a nine to five job, I feel like waking up for the, since, uh, gosh, how long, since I was... 19 uh, when did i start our office job 23 22 so 22 years old till the the majority of my life just waking up at 9 a or 8 a.m and hating waking up and yeah. feeling groggy not I, I don't know how much maybe part of it is having to go to work i don't right. know if your passion for your job is different but maybe that adds to it i don't know i got lucky i did get lucky in that i do i do love my job it doesn't bother me i mean i don't mind staying there 12 hours, 14 hours. In fact, I remember uh, in residency, 12 hour days is the norm. Like you, you're there from by 6.30, you usually leave around 7.30 in the evening. So 13 hours, something like that. Um, and when I started the, the liver disease gig, I would, that was, that was actually more nine to five um, or nine to four even. Mm. Um, and now my hours are even more flexible. Like if I'm just uh, in the hospital, like we go in, I'll go in at like eight or nine, depending on when we do procedures, we'll see some patients, we'll do procedures and then I'll leave after I'm done. So some days it could be, Going at eight, leave at two. Going at nine, leave at five. Going at seven, leave at six. I mean, it's it's that's actually one of my favorite things about being a doctor is that I don't have to clock in. There's no one that is recording the amount of time I'm there. I just do come in and once once the work is done, I leave. Whether that's twelve hours, whether it's a five hours, doesn't matter. There's just a spreadsheet that shows how many livers you fixed. <laughs> or by chance is the is the hospital do the hospitals just charge you? Charge, not charge you. They pay you by the hour. So regardless of how it works out to the hospital, they don't care how much you work. Does that? So what what ends up happening is, is if all the patients are taken care of, if the patients that I am assigned to see have been seen and, and as long as I'm available. So like when I did that hospitalist gig that I was telling you about, my hours were technically 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So I'd have to be there by 7 a.m. But usually I would finish seeing all my patients by like four or five. Um, and then I just go to my hotel room. And, um, and, but if the nurse wanted to page me or wanted me to be available, then I could easily come right back. Cause, um, I, ever since starting residency, I've never lived more than 10 miles, 10 minutes from work. Hmm. So, uh, makes life a little bit easier for me. You do that on purpose to be available? Yes, I do that. And because sometimes you'll have people that just call even when it's not your time. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can always be like, oh, it's not me. Call this other person. Or, I mean, if it's a simple enough thing, you can just be like, oh, okay, I'll take care of that and then move on and then tell the person to move on. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's again, it all comes from because I actually like what I do. So yeah. I'm happy to to not pawn shit off as long as I don't, as long as it's not like a serious, like, oh shit, I have to go in and do this. Oh, that you got that. a really bad fucked up liver? Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there in nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question. What do you know or think of cryptocurrency? So I know next to nothing of cryptocurrency other than the fact that. I fucking can't stand the fact that I can't get a gaming laptop for cheaper than I can because these fuckers are all buying up all these graphics cards. Ah. God damn it. Um, yeah. But other than that, uh, I, uh, I don't really pay too much attention to cryptocurrency like everybody else does. Um, I don't, in fact, I always wonder, like, we don't really use it as currency. And um, so I was thinking, like, I mean, if we're not really using it as currency, can we call it currency? Maybe once, maybe as people are saying that maybe if it gets more widely adopted, then we'll use it as currency. Um, and that'll be interesting. But uh, other than that, damn it. 
I, I would look to Lim as somebody that's an expert over me in cryptocurrency. Like I would really inspe- uh, respect his intelligence on the on the topic. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is not financial advice, but <laughs> <laughs> this is for educational purposes only. Um, on the yeah, it's I, I think I actually wish they would call it crypto money. So mm-hmm. definitions uh, supposedly. Definition of money is a crypto cash money, brother. <laughs> money is not you can't print more. Mm-hmm. It's a finite amount. Mm-hmm. Currency is something that so the U.S. dollar is a is a currency because right. you can print more. Well, there's um, a rule you can't print more money. The the by the definition, correct. Okay. Uh, as far as I understand, I might have it wrong, but that's why I actually I'm upset that they call it cryptocurrency because I think it should be crypto money. Yeah. I do understand if someone were to argue with me and say, well. As a consensus, you could hard fork and get more money in there, but it is a finite at the time of that consensus. I actually have trouble with the crypto part. I think that's bad marketing. Like crypto doesn't sound good. It sounds sketchy. True. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. cryptology is like the codes, right? Like the study of coding or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, but, to, but your average person doesn't understand cryptology yeah, exactly. and mathematics. Exactly. From so. a nerd perspective, I think it's a perfect word but for humans I, I i could see where you're going at with that bad marketing yeah I think. like bitcoin is a much better name yeah. yes it is and yeah. that's and that's why i think yeah. people all think cryptocurrency is just bitcoin or yeah or i guess ethereum is the other big one now. yeah the next blue chip or the number two mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i we're just i think we're just so early this is like google in 1994 mm. i think cryptocurrency is gonna it's gonna have a bigger impact than the internet has Cryptocurrency is the culmination potentially of the internet, actually. And we'll see if it gets there or not, whether it's true or not. In what sense, though? I mean, because the internet was, right? I mean, when the internet came out, it's more dissemination of information is now so much easier and anybody with a computer can can look at it. So how does cryptocurrency do it for that? I think it'll be, my theory, it will be truth by consensus. So truth by, anything that we could choose that is factual mm-hmm. that is on a ledger anything that a, a consensus of people choose to believe in is the truth so just that alone truth by consensus is a massive massive thing and if blockchain can bring that which i think it does i i feel i in the coding world it it does do it I, i'm not saying i think it does it does do it. it's whether humans choose to use this hammer on the nails that we have that it's a it's the best tool um so Okay, what is consensus by truth? So, take like t- take the voting situation here in America. You you could vote on your president, and then you got these damn senator or not senators, mayors that do the gerrymandering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you had a blockchain, granted, it's still the human system. I, I like to debunk myself as I talk, but um, <laughs> I like to pull the legs out from under my <laughs> foundation as I go. So it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing hammer. But if humans aren't going to use it for the voting. So if you add gerrymandering on the blockchain, it's still the human's fault for adding gerrymandering. But if if you had whether voting, um, I forget the, the word where you where it's uh, you don't have the electoral college, just literal democracy, Popular voting, just one vote. Yeah. yeah. If that was the, the rule written on the blockchain, you can trust this blockchain that when I vote for uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> no, you're going to vote for Yang. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that shirt. That was cool. <laughs> so um, I was wearing that shirt earlier, I think, right? Yeah. Um, so go Andrew Yang for the third party, but I don't... I, I was uh, a Sanders guy myself. Um, so if you vote for that on the blockchain, it's it's immutable per se. Mm. Now, yes, I'm going to de- 
debunk myself or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be devil's advocate and say, sure, humans are involved and they could fuck it up. If you have more than 51% that are okay with fucking up the system, then they could do a hard fork, change the code and do whatever they want. But Mm. this paradigm for consensus of truth can be built for governments, for banks, insurance companies. I I think that, um, I mean, the banks is such a, Big one that that one will take longer. I'll, I'll explain the insurance companies after. I'll try to just quickly say the banks. I mean, they're printing money. They control. They 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 cre- when you get a home loan, don't aren't they creating that money out of nowhere? Really? Uh, yes. So, because some, of fractional reserve. Yes, lending. yes, yes. So you can't do that on the blockchain. Mm. That's not possible. The every for every Bitcoin or Ethereum every. All the way down to point zero 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 one, it's accounted for. You can't fuck with that. Um, now let's take insurance. I think the paradigm shift. I love to saying this example. Um, when I get in a car accident, an adjuster comes. Adjuster's on the side of the insurance company. If someone hits me, the adjuster, it's in their. They're hired by the insurance company to say, "Oh, my car was worth less." <laughs> I'm trying to adjust you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fucked up system. Right. If you had a blockchain. Uh, cryptocurrency system that you'd have a third you'd have insurance company a third party adjuster and then me and then there'd be a, a some type of yelp like system where you could judge your insurance oh, hates yelp <laughs> oh i <laughs> i i uh well some I, kind of feedback and rating system it, it, yeah yeah okay. a, a unbi- potential it would be an unbiased rating system unlike yelp so <laughs> it's rigged <laughs> So then you got the insurance company that there might be multiple insurance companies. I could choose what to go with. I would hopefully choose the one that's been rated 50, 50 words. They actually 50% of the time they actually side with the, the insuree mm-hmm. and then 50% of the times they, they, they side with themselves. And then would the third party adjuster would be the same thing. So you'd have to, I would pick an adjuster that's 50, 50 and hopefully an insurance company would pick someone. I mean, we would probably like, at first, I'd pick someone 90% always on the insurance side, but through the course of, uh, of that smart contract, we would eventually pick one adjuster and the adjuster would fairly fit okay. one side or the other. So, so now the question becomes, is uh, any one particular cryptocurrency that, that you would favor over the other? Or, or would, for, me, it- for me, I, I choose uh, Ethereum right now. That's a smart contract because it, uh, Bitcoin was built as the first, grand, first one, the, the grandfather. It... It doesn't have a uh, programming layer, mm. so that's why I feel I feel like it's held back. In my personal opinion, I could be wrong, and maybe in ten years somehow Bitcoin goes to the even more to the moon, and it's the only one that stays there. But I think Ethereum has use cases where you could do these smart contracts, and I'm talking about you could do insurance company with third party adjusters. Uh, you could build you could build everything with smart contracts if it's programmable, mm-hmm. which I don't know anything that it that isn't programmable. Uh, well, anything that's digitizable that you can digitize, then you could program the logic to handle that. Cool. So I, I think cryptocurrency is the future that it could, to me, it boils down to that consensus of truth is so fucking powerful. I mean, you talk about propaganda with news, how powerful governments can be to control a nation. If you can decentralize that and make data as truth, however, I throw that term in there kind of funky. Any piece of data can be truth. It can be, has, a consensus of people to say that's true or not. The reason why that works is mine. Like if you understand a little bit of cryptocurrency with the mining nodes around the world, that's a decentralized, no one could not, no one entity is able to hack that. Mm-hmm. At least I've, 
mathematically right now, it's very un, very improbable, very to the point of impossible, mm. very close to impossible. Mm. So, cool. I I would say uh, as our lives get more and more digital, yeah, that's an undeniable trend. Um, the idea of a pub, you know, a distributed public ledger is going to allow new functionality that's going to change what we do. Um, so let me use this, uh, this example a lot is when the internet first came out, did you ever imagine that you could have a cell phone and, and, no. or, and order some guy to go pick up food for you no. that you never met before from someplace you've never been before? Yeah, no. So it's, it's a weird, you can't predict what the actual thing will be. Right. Um, <coughs> and the other thing I would say is I would call it currency. Um, I mean, do you Venmo people or Zelle people or yeah, PayPal Zelle. people? Yeah. yeah, so there's digital ways to pay people. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it currency? Will somebody accept this in exchange for giving me something else? Right, for goods. So if you can exchange that for goods, then I guess that has value. And then also the IRS is very interested if you make a profit on it. Yeah, <laughs> that is So true. the IRS is telling us that it's money or currency, right? Fair so, enough. So to me, those are the, the hallmark indicators that, Look, it's it's going that way. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever have any questions, feel free to ask me. Yeah. Whether text message or email. Next question. You kind of answered the first part. The second part, I'll say it off. So I'll say both. What's the biggest problem for humans and what's the solution? Oh, yeah. What's the solution? The, I mean, I think <laughs> humility is, is not something it, it, you got to be taught that at, at a young age. I think really the main solution is uh, teaching people critical thinking. Like overall, like if, I mean, you know, I, I go to Reddit all the time. Like that's where I generally will get a lot of news, but, but you know, I, I don't go to just one, one thing there. Um, if I want to read the news then I try to read in multiple places and see if that's okay. Uh, and it's the same with medicine too. I mean, like, uh, there's, there's a f- guidelines in medicine, different societies have different guidelines. So for example, the screening for colon cancer is there are three different societies that have three different guidelines for that. Same with breast cancer, same with cervical cancer and things like that. Mm. Um, the one of them, which is the U.S. Um, so it's called the U.S. Preventative Task Force or USPSTF. Um, they they make a guideline that is the most that is least. Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, where it encompasses the. Um, it's not as it doesn't. It's not as applicable to everybody. So, whereas the ACG, which uh, which is the American College of Gastroenterology, they they said they moved the age of screening for colon cancer down to forty five. The USPSDF is still saying fifty, mm. um, and it's a, a lot of it is is what they're trying to do is they're trying to decrease resource utilization so that you're not you're not. I mean, if we didn't have to worry about resource utilization, if we didn't have to worry about resources in general, yes, it's great to do whatever you want. But because we're we're making rules for a whole population, ah. it's not always easy to. Um, they they want to make sure that there is absolute concrete evidence, not just trends towards something. Yeah. So that's what the U.S. federal government is more interested in. So that's why the USPSDF um, does that. So for uh, another one was like cholesterol cholesterol um, treatment guidelines. So we put people on a medication called statins, right? Like Lipitor, Crestor, Zocor, those sort of things. Um, the American Heart Association, when I was in residency, said you when you have an atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease risk calc- a factor of greater than 7.5%, meaning uh, you had a risk uh, of 7.5% or greater in the next 10 years to have a heart attack, you should be put on a statin. Uh-huh. Um, the USPSDF says 10%. Because again, there's much more data to support that than there is a 7.5 rule. Um, 
So, so uh, knowing the differences between the two and, and being able to like judge critically that, okay, this makes more sense for certain people. Like if someone has great insurance and they're not going to pay anything <laughs> out of pocket and uh, you don't have to worry about them like breaking their own bank for this, I might use the more, uh, I might use the 7.5%. But for someone who has uh, much worse, their, their financial situation is a lot different. I, I, I would try to go more for the 10%. So, uh, and it's the same for colonoscopies. I mean, I would love to screen everybody at 45 for colon, for colon cancer. Um, but at the same time, not everybody can pay for it. Not everybody's insurance is willing to pay for it. So some guy was willing to pay out of pocket, and that's like $1,500 out of pocket to pay mm. for colonoscopy. Fine. I will do that for you. But um, someone else yeah. is like, well, I mean, if the insurance is covering, we can wait till 50. Nice. So critical thinking like that is, is sort of very important, I think. Oh, so you want smarter people. Someone, yeah. <laughs> I mean, damn it, yes. <laughs> At least better schooling on how these things, uh, I mean, like, why don't we teach people uh, a basic, like, you know, just because something, someone said something on the internet. Have you guys, so there was a YouTube channel, I think it was called College Humor or something. They did, a, they, they had this a thing called, uh, if Google was a guy, when I okay. was in, like, college or med school or something. It was really funny, um, just skit. And one of the skits was in one in this skit, uh, this lady asked Google, Vac, "Do vaccines cause autism?" And the guy says, "Well, I have a thousand results here that say no, and I have one result here that says yes." And she takes the one paper and she says, "I knew it." And it's like, <laughs> yes. I mean, you, we should be able to teach these people how to Google these things. Don't just don't go to just the first source. Actually, look at what it is and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know why we don't have that in schools. We can teach. My mm. community college had a course on playing StarCraft. But Whoa. we can't teach a fr we, we can't teach people that you can't just fucking believe everything on Google. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, I think a major problem is that Americans are kind of anti-math. Yeah, yes. And then if you anti-math, that's going to cut you out of a lot of science and a lot yeah. of statistics. Like, people don't have an intuitive grasp of statistics or probabilities or a lot of the things you just said are going to fly over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. That being said, kindergarten, uh, I have a friend, he's a kindergarten teacher here. There's a lot more science behind kindergarten teaching than I had any any idea. Of. How so? So, like, she, she's telling me, like, you know, COVID has really set back kindergartners because um, mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of people that just didn't get school properly. So she's like, by the age of six or whatever, or five, I think, uh, whatever age they're at, um, just basic drawing of certain figures, uh, saying certain letters and, and those sort of things they just don't have a grasp of that they absolutely should. Because they're losing a critical um, year of development? Is that uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's critical, but um, it's definitely going to, it's going to be harder, I guess. Um, they just, they'll have to catch up, yeah. which I'm pretty sure they can. But okay. just the idea, I mean, when I was sitting there, I'm like, you know, science in kindergarten? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, but she's like showing me like, you know, a year ago when she had a kindergartner or not two, well, two or three years ago, like they were drawing a stick figure of a person. Mm. But this year's kindergartners basically just draw her as a potato head oh. with eyes. So, gotcha. so uh, because they don't have the clear grasp of like you know different limbs, like people have limbs. Weird, yeah. That. So, um, again, very interesting. Teaching is much more complex than I give it credit. Yeah, we got to teach kids about limbs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question: What's your favorite food or dish? So, my favorite, absolute favorite dish. Um, so, in South India, as I said, we eat, we're supposed to eat really. We eat really spicy. That's what apparently South Indians are very known for and mm -hmm. consequently we do get bad heartburn um so uh but the one thing that south indians do and i think this is probably in response to eating all the spice because literally they would just have red um my 
my grandfather, when he lived on a farm, he would just have red chili powder on rice and just eat that. <laughs> Yum. That's it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Don't understand that. But what we also do is we would we make our own yogurt. So yeah. my mom actually makes her own yogurt and every day you have the rice with whatever curry. And then after that, you eat uh, rice with a little bit of yogurt. And uh, but also usually you put a little bit of salt and then have a piece of fruit. So in India, there's these mangoes that are just juice. They're just mm. like liquefied juice on the inside. And um, they're so ripe. I don't know exactly. I think yeah. they're actually made that way. Yeah. Um, and those mangoes, you just squeeze out the juice on this um, uh, yogurt, rice, plain yogurt with rice and a little bit of salt. That's my absolute, absolute wow. favorite. Mm. I love that. Um, that might be the wildest answer yet. Is uh, it? Is it like a mango lassi? La- it's lassi? kind of, yeah, it is okay. actually with a little bit of rice in it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, they do put a little bit of salt on it too. At least I like salt with the yogurt. So, so yeah, it's got a salt and like a salt sweet flavor to it. Um, second to that in the U.S. is chocolate chip cookies. Mm. <laughs> and fresh out of the oven, right? Oh, God. Yeah, where it's still like, it's like uh, crisp, almost uh, crispy on the, no. on the outside and then soft. And chewy on the yeah, inside. Yeah. yeah, no, I yeah. Uh, you just want it all. <laughs> and that's the problem. That, that's actually my biggest problem is that I can't stop eating cookies. I, I, I had a cheat day the other, the other day and I was like, oh, I'll go to Subway, just have a sandwich. And they just brought out the cookies. Like, <laughs> Give me that whole yeah. oven. <laughs> fresh. And, you know, most people, you know, when they say, oh, I, I went to town, I had a sandwich, and I had like two or three cookies. I had a sandwich and I had 12 cookies. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So I really, I have zero control. You stepped zero out of the control. moderation. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know what happened? Terrible diarrhea. That <laughs> Cramping a dollar in my, my stomach. Like, Bro, I can process a lot of sugar, but this is too much sugar. I can't absorb all this sugar. <laughs> I did not know 12 cookies would give you diabetes. I mean, uh, give you uh, <laughs> diarrhea. Because what happens is, this, you know, it's, it's, it's just simple osmosis. Is, is, uh, so if you have a lot of sugar in your gut and that's yeah. not absorbed, or, or like fiber, what it does is most insoluble fiber, all it is is it's just extra particles in the in the gut lumen or we call it so the inside of it and um so that kind of keeps water there instead mm. of being absorbed because there's it's, there's no gradient because oh. the concentration on the inside is supposed to be um higher than the concentration on the outside if you're too much sugar or too much uh, fiber then the concentration on the outside is going to be similar so water stays in the gut uh, and therefore you get diarrhea wow i think you really are a doctor <laughs> <laughs> if anybody has any doubts <laughs> any of our viewers think we're full of shit here all right last question Shout out to friends. Uh, who do you, who do you, what friends do you think should do this podcast? So a good friend of mine that I told you about, uh, we wanted to try to do a podcast, uh, Nizar Sanusi. He's a, he's also a GI doctor and he, he'll be practicing. Hopefully, I don't know where he'll be, but uh, he would be, I think, an ideal person for something like this. Um, he's much funnier than I am. Much, much funnier and much, oh. much more uh, talkative uh, as well. So he, he would be a good one. And no, funny is not a requirement. <laughs> But I think it works well with patients, you know, when you can okay. laugh at them. You know, one of the other things that most patients like is if you sit down while you talk to them. I don't know why, huh. but it's a psychological thing. Even if I'm still only spending 10 seconds in that room, if I find a chair just to sit down, everyone feels like I'm sitting there and talking to them. Yeah, for Hooters, so Hooters does the same thing. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, that's part down. of their playbook is if they sit with you, there's a psychological change in... Oh, they actually sit with you? I, I, they try to sit in the booth with you, if you. Last time I went to Hooters was probably five years ago. That wasn't a thing. Yeah, we can test it if you want to go. There's one here on Rainbow. <laughs> I'm good for now. <laughs> well, we can see the controversy on the new shorts. Have you have you guys heard the shorts? <laughs> no, it's what happened? So there's news feed, yeah. Yeah, on the news feed it showed up. Uh, they have new, so whatever the booty shorts they had before, now it's cut where the butt shows a little bit more, the more the butt cheek. Oh. And there, it's controversy over that? There's showing too much skin and some uh, supposedly bigger women are saying it. 
it it gives a wedgie the whole time. My ass is hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. So if the women are complaining. I would say, okay, don't 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 wear it. That yeah, was, I yeah. thought if it was like a man just being like, you know, <laughs> got all happens, this oh, ass oh, around oh, here. It, it oh, happens. Sometimes oh. it happens, or you have these guys yeah. that are like that are like. They want to always control something They're like that is showing too much ass. I don't like it. And I don't want my daughter to be like, and it's like, dude, just. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're a weasel. that's always trying to be on the women's side so they can gain favor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, I've always, I've always seen it that way. Cause it's anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, Nazar Sanusi and um, I think my brother would actually be pretty good for this too. His name is Vijay. Man. He, he knows a lot more about blockchain and that's, uh, he's a pediatrician though, but cool. He's much better at this. Oh, he knows more about children. He knows more about children. He knows more about blockchain. He knows more about Bitcoin. And he also knows more. Um, and he he has his own 3D printer. So he loves mm. that whole tech deal. Well, he, I don't know if he still has it, but no. Oh, wait. So you and Nazar wanted to do a liver no. podcast? Yeah, we wanted to um, educate, but we wanted to make it in a way that uh, would be a lot easier for people to digest where it wasn't just some dry comments. So ACG, actually, they have their own podcast. So whenever they put out guidelines for how to treat different diseases, they'll actually interview the main writer of the guideline with the uh, editor for AC uh, with the of the American Journal of Gastro. Yeah. It is a dry dry slog. Um, is, is he in Vegas or is he elsewhere? Uh no, the guy actually he's from Cedar Sinai. Uh, one of the guys is from Cedar Sinai. The other guy I don't know where he's going, but um then they'll they'll talk with the writer of the guidelines um yeah. And they'll just it'll just be on the podcast. Uh, it's the ACG podcast. It's a, I mean it's a great learning podcast, and I, yeah. I listen to it while I'm driving. But um, I think the vast majority of people are that that would be listening to these. They they would they might appreciate a little bit more of a entertaining take. Yeah, and you just you know I mean, are you hoping to do podcast. it to supplant the dry or I was hoping to, but um, as I was telling him, anytime we have we have an, we had great ideas. I think that would have yeah. worked and. And luckily, I have a network of different liver doctors that I'm almost certain would be willing to come on the podcast, and we could have done something. But uh, yeah. it's uh, uh, the actual execution has testosterone. Has <laughs> 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 we we definitely kind of faltered somewhere in between there. I mean, we kept talking about it, and we're like, oh, we should, we should, we should. And it's like, ah, oh, well, now I got a job. Now I have to yeah. look for other jobs. Now I got to do this. Now I got to do that. And it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. It's it's a lot of effort that we're just not it's, it's as production. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, we even thought like, you know, the ma- there's a major liver organization called AASLD or the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases that if we actually got this podcast off, I'm almost certain that they would have been willing to sponsor it or something. But again, it's just the whole thing takes too much effort that yeah. I, I don't know if we were willing to put into if it. If only you knew a guy with like a production already set up. <laughs> <laughs> only you knew a guy. You guys are you could you guys could use it. But well, actually, it would be tough with timing because actually we we have to time like. When who's home and whatnot. Yeah, whatnot. I mean, it's I mean, a, you, know, you just don't keep it like this all the time. What? <laughs> well, we keep the setup, but as for like, uh, because we tell the roommates, like, uh, try not to make any, uh-huh. a lot of noise because it can get into this. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, no. Stuff like that. My, my friend is also in New Mexico now, and then he's going to be in Seattle probably soon or something like that. I don't know. We, we could make it work, but uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, yeah. Oh, cheers. Vignan, it was a... Uh, Absolute pleasure. Thank you for spending three hours with us. No problem. Dr. Vig, thank you.